All right, ready? Yes. Um, thank, thank you everyone for joining us tonight. Um, a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. If you're online, please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this meeting has, public meeting has been disabled. All chats will go directly to staff. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you're participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send us a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And I'll turn it over to the chair. All right, thank you. Okay, our first item of business is, well, I guess after the canceled study session, is the approval of the minutes from the December 4th meeting. So, do I have any requests for changes or comments or anything? Okay, well in that case I'll entertain a motion to approve. Uh, I move to approve the minutes. I second. Okay, all in favor, raise your hands. Okay, that's unanimous. The first by Commissioner Reza, second by Commissioner Idolette. All right, the next part is public comment. The public is allowed to speak to any items or issues that are not scheduled on the regular agenda. Public comment will not be received for staff items, commission items, or calendar. Each person or organization will be limited to three minutes. As a general practice, the commission will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the commission make decisions on items presented at this time. Individuals are asked to come to the microphone physical or virtual, state their name and address. Speakers should address all comments to the commission. Is there anybody in the room who wishes to make a public comment? A general public comment. Not on, it's for, if it's an agenda item, it's later. That's correct. Anybody online? There's no one participating online this evening from the public. Okay. Oh, there are. Anyone online? No one has indicated by raising their hand they'd like to make a general public comment. Okay, sounds good. In that case, we're moving on to a regular agenda. So, first part is to receive nominations and elect chair and vice chair for 2024. I have a procedure we're going to follow. And here's how we're gonna do it. I would like to open nominations for 2024 Transportation Commission, well, Multimodal Transportation Commission Chair to the commission members. So any commissioner may nominate somebody for chair. And then after each nomination, the chair repeats that name me to the assembly. This will continue until all the nominations are received, and then the person who has been nominated can accept or decline the nomination. Okay, so opening it to the commission. Any nominations? I nominate you, Dave. Okay. Um, Nick will be, repeat, uh, sorry, uh, yeah. I will accept the nomination for chair, right? Yeah, for chair. I'm sorry, Nick. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, I'm still learning names too. Uh, okay, any other nominations for chair? All right, if no other nominations, then nominations for chair are closed. All in favor of Commissioner Kuzmiak as 2024 Transportation Commission Chair say aye. All opposed say no. I guess aye first and then no second. Aye. aye. All right, aye. Sounds good. Um, <clears throat> That's it. Handover duties to the new chair. 
here. Well, this was exciting. All right, the next step is I would like to open nominations for the 2024 Multimodal Transportation Commission Vice Chair to the commission members. I'll start off. I nominate Commissioner Baltuska for Vice Chair. You can accept or decline. I'll accept. Okay. Are there any other nominations? It doesn't have to be this way, just in case you're wondering if this just keeps going like this, it can, it's pretty open, so. I just wanted to start off something. What does the vice chair do? Um, what Damon was about to do if I wasn't able to make it here on time. Uh-huh. Run the meeting Run if the things meeting. don't happen. Okay. You are also involved in the agenda setting discussions, and in some cases where I've been unable to attend for whatever reason, Damon carries the torch for that and just kind of yeah. gets things going, so. Cool. So there's some responsibility, but not a lot. Yeah. I don't know. You tell them. <laughs> if I nominate Hillary for vice chair, would it be like a vote? No, not necessarily. You can. Oh, gotcha. As many people can be nominated as we want. Are you interested? In I mean, I would do it if you if you didn't want to do it anymore. But I'll defer to you on those responsibilities. I'm happy. Like it's so rare. Yeah. I think it's happened maybe once that I've ran. So. Then I would say continue. Continue, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Any other nominations for vice chair? In that case, nominations for vice chair are closed. All in favor of Commissioner Bateska's 2024 Transportation Commission vice chair, say aye. 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 All opposed say no. Okay. That was easy. I have a feeling there will be a bit of a shakeup once uh, PTAC Merges, but so I think it's going to be a fairly short uh, uh, rain, I guess, this time. And that'll be midsummer, where we think? I have so. no idea. We don't have any dates yet. Okay. It's just impending. Yeah, sometime this year. Yeah. So, agenda item number two is consider approving revisions to the neighborhood traffic management program. This is the culmination of a months long effort <laughs> to redo stuff, so excited to see the results. Good evening, Commissioners Dustin Smith, uh, Senior Project Engineer with MSO. And as Nick mentioned, we're uh, revisiting our revisions to the Neighborhood Traffic Management Program that we've been discussing for several months, including most recently uh, back in December. I brought uh, several revised documents, including flowcharts, policy document, uh, the revised statement of interest forms, and the revised actual um, policy. Um, and then in December, uh, discussing those items, received some additional feedback that has since been incorporated. Wanted to highlight the changes since December. Um, so we, uh, and refreshing that this was my mistake in December that I uh, needed to add the temporary install and evaluation process to the minor projects, uh, so that's included. Um, and then also uh, recommended uh, setting a, a firm 30-day timeline for the temporary install and evaluation to clear up any um, muddiness on, on how long the temporary devices would be in place. Uh, we also added an MMTC touch point before any temporary installations to both the neighborhood process and the uh, minor project process. And then we also added a limit 
of two temporary in iterations in the process and then a final decision would be made. So those are the, the changes we talked about back in December that have since been incorporated in the in the documents. And uh, Listen, would, sorry, would you be able to either um, get the microphone closer or, or speak a little bit louder? Okay, sure. Yeah. Thank you. Push the button. Oh yeah, that's right, it's got a raised desk. Sorry, I think I cut you off in the middle of something. So you said that, that we basically, you've already made all the changes that we've discussed in December, right? Correct, yes, the, the attachments are all been revised based on what we discussed in December. Yeah, um, after reading through my notes, it, it looks like, yeah, everything we talked about pretty much happened, so. Um, uh, I guess, sorry, was there any other before I start into asking questions? No, those were those were the changes, and yeah, I, I wanted to open it up from there. If additional comments. Okay. Any commissioners want to go first? Only one comment. Uh, I do really like the um, the traffic calming primer that you all developed. I think that does a pretty good job of explaining some complex terminology for normal folk, and so that, that was a great job. That's my only comment. Um, the one question I asked last time that didn't get addressed, but I don't think it's actually appropriate in this particular context, is if there was any possibility to devote some funding to support neighborhood organization efforts. Um, some associations mentioned that as being a possible barrier. I have a feeling that may be more in our annual budget discussions of NTMP rather than in the policy itself. Does that sound right? Uh, I would agree. That's, that's probably the appropriate uh, way to address that. I guess the only way that there might be something in here would be maybe what the threshold would be for qualifying for aid of some sort. Um, and I don't know what that would be. That's, that, that's tough. I feel like we may just have to continue to improve and collect feedback and see like, okay, I mean, how much do you actually need? Who, you know, which neighborhoods do we feel like have a really high, like they're getting good projects based on the thresholds, but don't have the organizational funds to pull it off necessarily, so. Okay. Okay. I guess I may add to uh, the response there is, I remember we we discussed you know are we sure we're hearing from everyone like the the disadvantaged neighborhoods are they you know reporting um, and so I did review the traffic concern reporting tool um, data and yeah it, it, it's uh, lit up like a Christmas tree there's no you know black holes where we're not hearing from people and that's and that's just one channel that we hear from so. Mm. Okay. That, that, that gave me some confidence that we'll, hopefully we're not missing anyone. Like at least the word is getting out and people understand mm -hmm. how to use the tools, which is good. Mm -hmm. um, the other question I had was, did you get a chance to talk to Lawrence Association of Neighborhoods by any chance? Because I have done a terrible job with outreach, so I was hoping somebody did. <laughs> I, I uh, did not since December. Okay. Uh, I know I, I talked to them way, way back when, when we were first getting to roll out the, mm -hmm. the new program. And uh, and there was interest there in you know being a part of it and 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 I, I do hear from individual neighborhoods you know intermittently that are still you know waiting for this next round of call for projects. So yeah, I think it'll be particularly nice opening it up to small projects. So it gives non-neighborhood association places kind of a chance to at least get something done. So um, anyway, yeah. So I. If anybody from land is watching, sorry I didn't reach out to you, but um, I, 
I think as we continue to improve this, we're just going to have to continue to almost actively solicit feedback to make sure that the changes that we think we agreed on are working the way that we thought that they were going to. Yeah. So. I, I agree that, yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to be iterative still, you know, continuous improvement. Yeah. Any other thoughts, questions? What's the 2024 budget for the pro program? Do you know? 2024 is 200,000. Okay. Was it 300,000 last year? It was. Okay. Is that because it's being split to different years, so like it'll be higher or lower and average is still the same, or is it trending downwards, you think? I believe that was a pure um, budgeting decision. Okay. Is that something where like MSO would have basically asked for, for the same budget and city commission either, you know, to see or nay? <clears throat> Yeah, it was our. It was the recommended. It's in the operating budget, so that was the department's recommended allocation to the program within the budget in 24. Okay. So there were a few reductions across different areas, and it's general fund funded. Uh, the program is so. Um, yep, it was. It's a little less. I think it was. What did you say? 250 last year. 300. 300 last 300. year. <clears throat> Can you refresh my memory? Does the permanent installation of these things fall under capital expenditure, or is, is that still operating? Um, it comes out of the program, so it's operating. Interesting. So the operating budget, so it's not a capital improvement project or a CIP project. Used okay. to be in the CIP, it's kind of confusing. So generally, we th think of capital improvement projects as $100,000 or more. Um, but this is a program. Yeah. Maybe it's a little semantics, but um, there are new assets when we're putting in traffic calming, but some of the program funds don't go. Some of the program funds go to education enforcement, as you know. So um, hopefully that, that helps. Yeah. Okay. If we're good up here, then I'll open up for a public comment first in the room. <coughs> if anybody wishes to make a comment on this particular item? Okay. Anybody on online or on the phone who wishes to make a comment on the neighborhood traffic management plant updates? There's no one who's indicated online they'd like to make comment. Okay. We'll bring it back up for the commission then. Any further d discussion or are we ready to make a motion? A motion to pass the agenda item. Is that what you should? Um, it would be to approve the revisions. Oh, sorry. I, I make a motion to approve the revisions. Second. Okay. Um, first by Commissioner Carter and second by Commissioner Rosa. Sorry, guys. Rain for tonight. Um, all in favor, raise your hands. Because easier. Okay, that's unanimous. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Dustin. I guess we'll see you in a few months, probably. <laughs> okay. Good with that one. Moving on to agenda item number three, consider recommending approval to raise grant concept for the Lawrence Loop Trail, Carl River to 7th Street to Constant Park. All right. There is an action item on this. It's recommendation of approval. Uh, good evening, uh, Chair Commissioners. Jake Baldwin, Engineering Program Manager with MSO here online tonight. Um, I'll be presenting on the topic. So. Um, I'll start by just sharing my screen to provide some information as I walk through here. 
So uh, back in um, August of last year, the city commission awarded an, en an engineering services agreement to uh, Bartlett and West for community engagement and concept design, um, as well as establishing a steering committee uh, to provide recommendation on concept elements to be included in a raised grant construction application. So this um, was uh, all our sorry, pardon me. This was following the intent of the adopted capital improvement plan and following the recommendation of our grant consultant TFG. The steering committee consisted of uh, a variety of stakeholders that you can see here on the, the screen um, that uh, represent a variety of interests. Um, since being established, a steering committee uh, met three times, and there's been two public open houses as well, um, in addition to an online comment form. Um, and a record of that process is documented on the project webpage. <clears throat> um, so through the process, the steering committee made a majority recommendation on um, concept elements, which um, the diagram here should be on the screen now for you all to see, um, three main elements um, in different colors there. Um, our consultant team, um, who's got a successful track record of uh, raised grant applications, is confident that the city has a competitive application given these concepts. Um, our total estimate for the, the three concepts that we've got there on the screen is about $21 million, um, with no local match being required. Um, next steps in the process, our applications are due uh, February 28th this month, and the um, announcements for awards are expected by the end of June. And uh, that's about all I've got, so I'd be happy to entertain any questions the commission has. Okay. Thanks, Jake. Okay. All right, so all right. I think we're going to do this. All right, are we good? All right, um, so I think normally I would have the commission ask technical questions of staff, but I think at this point there's not, it wasn't exactly a huge presentation, so I think if y'all are okay with it, we start with public comments, so we have more to talk about, and then kind of consider the various points of view here. Because um, as I understand it, there is maybe some differing opinions, so. Nick, I actually have some questions I do wanna ask. Let's do that first, sorry, yeah. Thanks, Jake. Um, just so I understand, you'd hear back on award in June, and then what would be the next steps following that? Uh, so we, the next steps after this would be a design contract with the consultant to work through the design of all these elements. Um, kind of in conjunction of that, we'd kind of have another public process because we want to keep the steering committee involved in the different design elements as they're designed. You know, there's a lot of art and culture that belongs with this project, and so we need the community's help and the steering committee's guidance on what that's going to look like. So um, design of those elements would, would take place, and then construction, uh, I think our schedule would start us in 2025, and our, our consultant, Scott, is in the room, and he may be able to speak to that if needed. Great, thank you. Yes. Do you have any more questions, or shall we go to this next step here? I'm sure I'm going to have more questions. I always have a ton yeah. of questions, but we can do however you want to do it. Okay. So what I try to do, just for anybody who's, who's new, um, I think we actually discussed this in a retreat at some point, was to kind of hear from staff and then do kind of technical questions just to make sure we understand what's going on, what's being asked of us, and then usually go to either the consultant or design engineer, and then public comment 
before finally coming back to the commission and kind of figuring out what to make of all that. So, um, so I guess if we're done with the more technical clarification questions, then that would be the next step would be to go to the, the design consultant. Are we good? All right. Scott, you're up. Yep. <clears throat> okay, um, I guess I'm more considering what are your technical questions, so okay. I guess fire away <laughs> as far as that goes. Cool. Um, so, Ryan, you were our member on the steering committee. Is there anything you wanted to kind of lay out for us or? Yeah, so a question that was asked in the last steering committee meeting was if, so currently the proposal is the Vermont Street footbridge. Um, are there any implications to the likelihood of us getting the raise grant if we were to do the Fourth Street one? That's just a question that was asked that I didn't hear an answer to and I wanted to ask it again. I, I believe really the the from our position, the position of where the bridge is located does not necessarily retract from our competitiveness in the project. There are some debates, and that's one of the elements of the BCA, which is the benefit cost analysis, on which bridge has the best connectivity as it relates to the different um, components around the city and its connectivity to the city. And um, just, there's pros and cons of both. It's just a matter of the public, you know, in our first initial meeting has leaned towards the northern border or bridge. And since then there's been other public input, but ultimately it's your guys's project, it's your decision, we'll do whatever it is that you guys decide. It's just we need a decision because we're in a very short time frame to get everything finished. Mm -hmm. This could be a question for Jake and maybe Jessica. Um, the, the the first presentation included four different footbridge proposals, and then obviously the steering committee went with the the Vermont one tour as the uh, progress, uh, as the, you know the committee went um, through the pro process. But in between the second and third steering committee meetings, there was a change to the Vermont proposal. Did the public ever see, after the first proposal, the four separate footbridges, or were, was the only kind of proposal that was shown to the public the Vermont Street one? Um, I'll, I'll try my best to answer that one, Ryan. Um, so in our first public meeting, we had graphics and exhibits and displays that showed many variations of different bridge possibilities. But after the second steering committee meeting, we had narrowed that down to just Vermont. So when we went back to the public the second time, they were only seeing that uh, Vermont street alignment. Gotcha. So there was a brief time where they did see that four bridge example, but the brought like the more specified proposal was to Vermont street one then. Well, I, I couldn't say that they saw all four. That exhibit I think you're referring to was just brought to the steering committee. I don't know that it was ever made public at a public open house. Gotcha. That's what I thought. I wanted to clarify. Um, I think that's the main technical questions I had. <clears throat> just to make sure I'm following, are you talking about the four bridges that were on the rendering in the newspapers? Um, I Potentially. It was in the first uh, presentation that's online. Um, and... There are multiple renderings of kind of four proposed. I think in the second presentation as well, there is a more simple version. 
If you uh, go to the second presentation on page eight. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, it might show the four. Um, of number, you mean of boards for the public or from the open um, house? Yeah, open the house on the open house boards. Oh, I'm on the wrong boards. Thank you. Sorry. There are a lot of ones. Um. <clears throat> well, so the second sorry. public meeting. Only the, the second one right here. Yes, page eight. Yeah. Yeah, this this was shown to the public then, right, Jake? We're not screen sharing, I don't believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> sorry, yeah, I'm here. <clears throat> this. Okay. There you go. Hmm. That is different than what's in the newspapers. More schematic and less fanciful, I suppose. I think the newspaper one drew from the first steering committee presentation, if I recall, um, which is, I think, what you're referring to. Yeah, everything's all loopy. But regardless. Okay. This helps, though. I didn't realize that there was a third street concept. That's not something I'd heard of before. Okay. And this was the January 3rd, 2024 meeting. Is that right? Open house? Or I'm just trying to look at the website and... That one was January 17th. January yeah, it was the okay. second one. The second. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Any other technical questions? Mm -mm. All right. Scott, thanks. We'll probably call you again later, but uh, let's go to public comment for right now. So we typically try to stick to a three-minute timer. I'm going to try to be, you know, okay. a little flexible here. Um, but what's more likely to happen is that we'll probably get an initial public comment and I have a feeling based on what we received in writing that there may be a little bit of back and forth so just this does not work. okay okay yeah can you is this working okay yep. you're good and then just let me know when the timer starts Okay. Okay. Um, my name is Sarah Hill Nelson. I live at 1311 West State Street, and I run the Bowersock Project on the river. I'm an avid cyclist and runner. I'm a parent and um, an active community member. So I'm really glad to be here today. And what I have to say is um, I really appreciate everyone's hard work that has gone into this. I really believe very strongly that we can do better than the current alignment. And I think one of the key points I want to make is the importance of community collaboration. So every day on the river, I'm constantly working with our partners. Anything we do, we collaborate with everyone that we're going to impact. So for example, you know, key people that I work with are Evergy and the KU Boathouse. I don't do anything on the pond without talking to the KU Boathouse. And when I talked to them this morning, I spoke with Evergy and the KU rowing coach, and neither one of them had been advised of this project. So the Spring Hill Suites was never included, the Simons family was never included, Abe and Jake's was never included, and Bowersock was actually never formally contacted. I actually reached out to the city, and as early as 2018, I started telling people, hey, I'm so sorry, I'm a huge trails advocate, but this alignment that you have going over the Bowersock Dam over our Obermeyer Gates and under our five-ton cable train, cable crane, isn't feasible. So I was, you know, I'm I'm concerned really about the process that it was it was not it wasn't handled as well as I know our city can do. So um, the steering committee was really not prepared 
and they never considered a significant vision for the whole river corridor. And I'm, I'm concerned that late in the game, suddenly the Bowersock alignment was removed from the process, which changed everyone's thought process. No one really had time to react. Then when people suggested other alternatives, Answers given for why those alternatives wouldn't work, like the forest street alignment, were that, oh, well, you can't put concrete on the levee and it's not ADA accessible. But if you look at the other drawings and options that we have proposed, the levee is in use in every single one of them. So there's not like, a, there hasn't been a coherent or, or rational analysis that was presented to the steering committee. I mean, steering committee members that had never had boots on the ground, they've never been in the New York Street parking lot, they've never navigated that area of the corridor, and there are so many amazing options we have to unite North Lawrence with the rest of Lawrence and, and, our, and create a web in our community, but instead we have now proposed a $10 million bridge that's like, 100 yards above two other existing bridges. No one considered raise grant criteria like they really value repurposing existing infrastructure. Could we make existing pedestrian paths better, save money, and add two different bridges? So I didn't even really get started with all my comments. <laughs> Thank you. That's okay. I thoroughly read your letter, so. <laughs> Thank you. I think at least a couple of us did, so. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I do support um, a, a raise study grant, because I think it could position us to do, put together a Cracker Jack application. Right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hey, my name's Nate Clark. Before I get started, I was just wondering, I have, a, I have a prepared letter. I did not time myself on this, but I'd love to get through it. Would I get your blessing just to... Forego the timer. Half. That's about three minutes. Okay, cool. Especially if you talk fast. <laughs> uh, first, thanks to you guys for your service um, and some amazing uh, research on all these things uh, and to the staff that they've put into this process. Uh, my name is Nate Clark. I live in North Lawrence. Uh, Ten years ago, my father and I built a home along the levee. I've personally submitted and subsequently been approved for three applications to the Kansas City Office of the Corps of Engineers that regulates the development along the levee. Uh, we worked with Dave on that, actually. Um, from 2014 to 2022, I had the privilege of setting up there and serving on the City Board of Zoning Appeals. Uh, for seven years, we worked alongside staff to navigate some of the quirkier aspects of the city's code and development. Um, prior to the pandemic, my office was located in the East Arts District. Uh, for an entire year, a colleague and I challenged each other to bike to work every day. In 2018 alone, I crossed that bridge no less than 360 times. Uh, but perhaps most importantly, I have four boys who are currently under the age of 12. Three of them are currently old enough to bike into town on their own, and I anticipate that someday in the future they will all be able to bike around and enjoy the Lawrence Loop. So I care deeply about this project, and I honestly believe that I'm uniquely qualified to comment on it. So when the North Lawrence Improvement Association asked me to represent them on the Lawrence Loop Steering Committee, I eagerly accepted. Um, however, after multiple rounds of public comment and steering committee meetings, I believe the proposal before you is a half-baked plan that is the result of a rush process. It does not reflect the values and wants of Lawrence citizens and is a poor stewardship of federal taxpayer dollars. I am here to recommend that you reject the raise grant concept for the Lawrence Loop Trail. Um, I do not believe the process 
It's a rush process. I do not believe this process reflects the city goals of transparency and community involvement. Uh, when I served on the BZA, staff's role was to provide evidence surrounding applications and act as domain knowledge experts for the board's questions. Parts of my experience on this steering committee felt like the staff was in the driver position behind the wheel, pushing an agenda, dismissing some of the committee's concerns, and in some cases using half-truths to cut conversations short, all in the name of getting this grant completed in a shortened timeline. Uh, I would encourage you to review the final steering committee's vote on this <coughs> particular item, uh, but my analysis is that everyone agreed that the proposal was not what they wanted, but they needed to approve it um, so as not to miss this, miss this grant opportunity. Um, I also believe it is, uh, does not reflect the values of Lawrence. Two of the early <coughs> identified values were to cross the car. Um, <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> uh, the conversion of the river through path into a river dead end removes the river from any loop travelers experience. It becomes just another creepy dead-end path, similar to the promenade that currently exists below Spring Hill Suites. Another value was to complete the loop. Um, this does not progress that value or desire at all. It forces travelers on the loop to navigate through a downtown environment, which keeps the car-first obstacles, which we had hoped to remove as part of this project. Um, it adds a redundant bridge to the levee, which, uh, according to staff, is not usable for the loop and it adds a dead-end trail. I do not believe this is good stewardship or lack of meaning, or has a lack of meaningful use of funds. Um, similar to Sarah Hill Nelson's comments, this adds a third parallel pedestrian bridge within 200 feet, 250 feet of the existing western pedestrian bridge and 450 feet, or 400 feet of the existing eastern pedestrian bridge. It adds a second parallel promenade within 75 feet of the existing promenade. Um, not only are these redundancies not good stewardship of taxpayer dollars, but I feel like they really lack the creativity and uniqueness that I think of when I think of Lawrence. Um, so in conclusion, I voted against this recommendation, um, and I, uh, I hope that you also reject this raised grant for the Lawrence Loop Trail, or at least pursue other options other than the ones that you've seen submitted to you uh, from the steering committee. Happy to stand for questions. Thank you. We may have some. Yeah, thanks. Um, anybody else in the room wish to give public comment? Okay. Anybody online? Okay. Looks like Chris. Looks like Chris. Uh, yeah. Hi, Nick. Yep. Chair. Chair, I'm Chris Tilden. Um, I live at 1121 Williamsburg Court, and I also was a member of the steering committee. Um, and I want to thank the staff, uh, you all, for your consideration of the project. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of unfortunate issues of timing. You know, with this, the the feds pushed up the the submission uh, due date, as I understand it, significantly in this time around, and um, as has been noted, um, fairly late in the game, the this idea of this narrowed concept uh, was presented because of difficulties with the connection um, over water connection that was supposed to connect East Lawrence over to, to Constant Park. Um, as was noted, I mean, I think we were disappointed as a steering committee that, um, you know, it, it that, that took, that kind of really took the seventh uh, to Constant Park concept out of the mix, aside from a largely on-street connection. Um, 
Yeah, I represented Livewell Lawrence, uh, Livewell Douglas County as part of this discussion. I'm making my comments as a private citizen here tonight. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, unfortunately we only had an hour and a half of discussion with the steering committee, looking at the narrowed concept to talk about, you know, what we, what we wanted to pursue. I voted in favor in large part, as was noted. I mean, we, we, we want to see some progress made. We, we've been talking about the downtown section for a long time, and I think we're super excited. I did, after that meeting, uh, hear a considerable comment, particularly about the concern of the location of the, uh, of the bridge uh, west, of the, west of the existing auto bridges. Um, you know, uh, the representative of the Friends of the Cobb voted against the proposal at the steering committee meeting, uh, kind of based on some of the aesthetic and other concerns. Um, I heard from quite a few cyclists who said that they much would prefer the uh, the 4th Street or Walnut Street alignment in East Lawrence because they said in that case we would actually be able to cross the bridge utilize the North Lawrence or utilize the levee and then even return to downtown on the on the uh, west side of the existing of the existing bridges uh, to allow us to avoid the on-street connections uh, that are part of the proposed project and there also were a number of North Lawrence residents who indicated that with most of the population of North Lawrence residing east of uh, the existing bridges that they like the idea of a more eastern alignment of the bridge. So if a proposal is presented, I would encourage the Multimodal Transportation Commission to consider that option. Okay. Thanks for your op the opportunity to speak. Thank you, Chris. Okay, is there anybody else on the call online who wishes to make a public comment? In that case, bring it back up to the commission. I'm not going to start this. I, I can. Somebody else to. I could chime in. Uh, yeah. That would um, unfortunately, I well, obviously I represented the MMTC on the committee. I had to miss the last meeting because of a medical emergency, and I'm really disappointed I wasn't there. It was a really robust conversation. I thought that uh, the committee was able to provide a lot of good statements, especially after my review. Um, I'll say I'm a little bit disappointed with how the end of this timeline has gone. I, f I felt that the committee was a little bit rushed with the process, especially there were four events or three events in January when we knew about this grant for a while. Um, but ultimately, the steering committee did vote 7-2, and um, it seemed like the consensus was, or at least the partial consensus was, at least something um, is better than nothing. Although, while I do recognize that the North Lawrence Association, you know, uh, coming up here and testifying, I, I share a lot of, of the sentiment that you provided. Um, but me not being there and um, not being able to provide comment during that uh, discussion, kind of, in my opinion, I want to limit myself with how much discussion I provide here today um, in respect to the committee members who were there um, during that entire one and a half hour discussion. 
that's kind of what I'd say. I'd be happy to answer. I know a lot about this project. I think that the the staff have done a great job on like understanding what this project is capable of. Um, and I hope that we get a lot of good feedback from the, the feds on it. Uh, I think that at the very least going through the process is going to be good for the city. Um, but yeah. Okay. So just so I'm clear, the orange, the, there's not a legend on the map. So I just want to understand the, the, the $21 million raise grant would just be for the orange bridge. Is that correct? No, it's for the whole thing. Everything that's outlined here. Okay. So even the I'm going to show you the stuff for just a second. Okay. Sorry. Give me a second. Am I in the right? This is the wrong meeting. Give me a second. Sorry. Oh, we have It's on this board, right? <clears throat> yes, it's Yeah. Is this graphic helpful? Maybe the other way. Well, so Just I mean, second. what's the light orange, dark orange? I mean, I yeah, it's all the it's all this elements. So right. it's the there you go. <coughs> this part, the light orange. It's this yellow piece. Yeah. It's this yellow piece and the orange part. It's all the components. Okay. That's the part that Jake was saying is twenty-one million dollars. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, so the downtown loop is effectively, I mean, this is an important section, right? We have, this is the only part of the loop that would serve transportation, like related commuting. I mean, truly, like the rest of it is effectively um, recreational. And so I know that this section is really important to be able to tie together the infrastructure that we do have on street infrastructure. And um, so what I'm, as I'm looking at the map, I'm trying to figure out how will it serve, you know, the segment of the population that commutes by bike. Because like I said, I think this is the most important part of the Lawrence Loop to be able to serve commuters. Okay. So based on what I've been hearing so far, I have a couple questions that I'm hoping their answer will kind of help at least my understanding and hopefully others' understanding as well, just to make sure that we understand the options presented to us because I think it's, it's more complicated than I originally thought it was. Uh, first question is kind of simple. Scott, well, is there a possibility of a hanging bridge? Is there a technical reason that that wasn't uh, considered? A hanging bridge as in like like underneath the the highway um, bridge there is a yes there was some consideration of that uh, one consideration is the fact that the existing infrastructure there is over 40 years old and adding new infrastructure and its useful life that comes into play in whether or not we want to put a brand new Theoretically, hopefully a 70-year-plus structure on an existing 40-year structure, reducing the useful life of that project. So that is one consideration there. Um, another one, um, when it comes to that, is just the location of it. Um, not just aesthetically and some of the other elements, being underneath the bridge, 
may not be as aesthetically pleasing and some of the other things that we look at it just at least me personally being underneath the traffic there's also possibility of concerns being too close to the traffic we'd have to look at how are we going to protect protect the pedestrians or cyclists from thrown objects off of the bridge other things if you're down underneath so there are other considerations than just crossing the bridge I do have a question. Maybe, Scott, you can answer it. Um, I know one of the public comments mentioned the RAISE study grant. I don't think that's a term that I'm familiar with um, and what the difference is between. I think that there is a difference or a differentiate. Like a, it's it's two basically different. a planning grant or a capital grant. Right. There's that, so a study grant, planning grant, essentially would be the same thing. Um, is, is there any limitations on timeline? Is it... Well, as far as um, the grant application is due at the same time, um, the obligations of funds and all of that stuff all are within the same time period. Um, there's a lower threshold for a minimum for a planning grant than a capital grant. Um, but other than that, the the requirements are pretty much the same the same information needs to go into it um, the difference the the major difference um, is the bca or the cost benefit analysis because the bca is really what um, you know we have to put in a lot of effort to put together construction cost estimates and other things and get economists involved to be able to put the numbers to it to show is this infrastructure actually benefiting, you know, the, the project? And this is a restatement of probably something that we had discussed way at the beginning of this project, but I want to re, uh, kind of talk about it again. Is there a reason why the city decided to choose a capital grant over a study grant? And this could be a question for Jake or um, anyone else. I mean, I, I could... Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm like, we don't, we have a limited budget as a city for CIP projects, and this is an opportunity to build something at no cost to the city, right? Like, it's capital funding that's available now. Dave, I. Yeah, I think the way we approach this, we had a, a consultant a couple years ago. Um, TFG was the acronym for the consultant, but we engaged them to look at. Uh, the new infrastructure grants that were coming out uh, from the legislation um, a couple years ago. <clears throat> and we looked at different opportunities and the likelihood of getting awards. And this was one where we had done some study in the past. We did the 2017 alignment study. Um, some planning work had been done. It was more of trying to find the best alignment. And so in our discussions with that consultant, they didn't think the planning grant itself would be uh, a good application or be something that we could likely get awarded and that we had already done so much work. So that um, so two years ago, we planned on doing this. This piece here was kind of the planning work um, and that we would then apply in 24 for the raise grant. So in our CIP process, the last uh, couple of years, that, that has been the plan, that we've set aside the money for um, the consultant to do this work um, in preparation for the construction grant. Um, so that's, um, you know, in our conversations with that consultant, they felt like in the position we were at at the time that 
um, that was our best opportunity, was to go after the construction grant, do the work that we needed to do with uh, planning with the alignment um, after we did the 2017 study. Um, and so that's kind of the approach that we have taken uh, the last over the last year. Um, so, yeah, and part of the scope of uh, the consultant is to put together the raise construction grant. So that work had already, has already been started <clears throat> to meet the deadline. Sure. Um, and um, yeah, so that that's the approach that we took and kind of where we're at. Jake, did I miss anything? No, I think that's fairly comprehensive. Um, I think the only thing I would add was um, the timing on doing a planning grant at this point. It, I don't think it's feasible to get anything turned in by the deadline. So we would be looking at submitting something next year. So we, we would kind of lose two years on construction to go that route. I know it was a question asked um, in committee uh, what the process would look like if an application wasn't submitted this year. Obviously, we'd have to kind of redo um, the entire planning stage. Is that right? Or? Yeah, if there was some uncertainty um, on the alignment or some, if we, if, you, if we didn't have consensus and thought more planning was needed, we could spend the next year doing more planning and having more discussions and then apply for a grant if the race program continues we could apply for one next year um, I still I don't think I don't know if I would just put it off to do for a raise planning grant based off the information that we've heard in the past and those are difficult to get so if you keep waiting pushing things off to try to get a planning grant um, you know it's hard to make much progress so um, that is ultimately could be an option, but um, the way that we've approached this was to meet, you know, the community expectation in the CIP was to go after the raise grant this year. So, um, you know, we've gone through the process that we had to come to this recommendation, and um, that's kind of where we're at with our options. So we can either pursue this, or if the community uh, thinks more engagement is needed, then we would uh, need to do that over the next year and have probably go back and rescope <clears throat> what work needed to be done, what additional work would need to be done for engagement, and what that would look like. So just to make sure I understand, so instead of applying for a study grant, you would just use this year as the study year, essentially? and. Could it be funded through existing, I guess, appropriations in the capital improvement plan or operating budget, or would we have to get a grant just for the engagement portion? Yeah, I, I don't know if I have a, an answer for you. I don't know how much budget we have left with you know the ongoing work that we've um, done. So some of it um, could potentially be done under the existing budget. I, I don't know where we're at. Maybe Jake has a better idea on that. But I, you know, I think that we've done a lot of work already um, through the different alignment studies that we've had. Um, we had the, the 
you know, I think the starting point for the steering committee, the first meeting, was the 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 work that you saw from the from the public, the community that put the project into the CIP. Uh, Steve Evans and his group had put together all of the different components. Um, and, and that was kind of the starting point for this process. And then it got whittled down to um, the, the Vermont Street Bridge and some of the other elements, not everything that was shown. Um, so I think, um, you know, I don't know the, what else we would do at this point. Except for engagement, I suppose, right? Yeah. Further engagement and like, like charrettes of options and stuff. It sounds like the rest of the planning that would probably be covered by the study grant has kind of been done in terms of like getting the concepts and the renderings, but now actually deciding on it is kind of the last step. And either we mm -hmm. kind of short circuit that right now and just do what the steering committee selected, or we say, let's you know do it over the next year not sure how we're going to fund it. There might be some extra left over from this budget, but if not, let's do what we can. So, okay, yeah. I understand that. I, I don't. Uh, just to, to clarify, I mean, so the planning portion of that, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we've done already, you know, it can apply towards either or. Like I said, the BCA, we've already started. That would be kind of a loss leader you know, hey, we're just wasted a bunch of time doing that. And, um, but, you know, the idea of pivoting and going straight to a planning grant, um, it's not impossible, but we can't wait for, I mean, it had to be like a decision tonight, which I don't think we're prepared to do. Yeah. Um, and so, but, you know, I don't want to just falsely say a planning grant is out of, the realm of possibility. I just, we've put a lot of work to get to where we're at, and it's one of those things I don't think we want to backtrack at this point um, in the process. But I, I, don't, I don't want to mislead anybody to say that it's not impossible to turn in a planning grant. But at the same time, are we going to get the best benefit for your dollars by going for a planning grant? Then go ahead and proceed and get the capital grant, and hopefully win it um, and if we don't get the capital grant that's not the end of the road we get feedback and then we get to take that information and then proceed incorporate their comments and reapply so, so. let's go right and then Hillary. based on kind of my assessment of committee discussions over the three different meetings a lot of that hesitancy that appeared in the last uh, committee meeting occurred because of the change in the river path connection to the helix i kind of want to go uh, ask staff why i guess how how one how that happened two why wasn't it planned for and three kind of it, it, we had this proposal, we sent it to the committee, the committee approved it, the public saw it, and then we, or I guess, well, the public didn't see it at that point, but we had to make this last minute adjustment, and then the committee only had an hour and a half to look at the new proposal. That's kind of where I think a lot of this hesitancy is coming from, and I kind of want to address that. Yeah. I'll reintroduce myself. I'm Sarah Hill Nelson, and I am with Bowersock. And um, just to, 
you know, to reiterate, we 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 believe that um, applying for a raise study grant. I mean, we've, he's done a lot of the work. You've got great work to pivot slightly and get information to look at all of the pieces, in bringing in those key partners. So, for example, Bowersock. Let's talk about what happened there. This proposal along the river was first proposed in 2018 by a man named Gary Lacey, and the, he was planning the recreation area down below Abe and Jake's. And I started telling city staff in 2018, like, oh my gosh, I mean, that looks pretty, but here's why that won't work for Bowersock. So starting in 2018, I was verbally communicating with the city, city staff why this wouldn't work. And then when the Car River Commons group came down to Bowersock, they made a physical visit to the Bowersock and I stood with them outside and we looked at the cable crane. So for those of you that have seen the cable way along the river, it runs in line with the dam. And it's what we use to raise and lower our head gates. And when we have any problems with any of those metal gates that raise up and down, we use that cable crane. We use it to transport materials. So it's got a super heavy cable car that hangs beneath it. So if you, you're just going across the river, you see that the lowest point is in the center. But when you're carrying weight on that, it the, weight, the lowest point of that cable is wherever the weight is. So anytime you're in an industrial environment, you're not supposed to walk under a cable crane without a hard hat. So imagine the, that, number one, when we run that cable crane, it would smash into a bridge at any level. Right, because we have to hang things off that. We hang 40-foot Obermeyer bladders, and that's how we get them on and off the dam. So then you have to consider what that cable crane, how it operates. So in 2019, when the river's high, imagine that uh, this cottonwood comes down the river, and they pop up, you know, they're like matchsticks. The cable lies low enough close to the dam, that it actually, the tree snagged into the cable. It pulled the cable downstream, and the cable smacked into the North Powerhouse, broke out some of our windows, and ripped our camera off the southwest corner of the North Powerhouse. We first thought like someone had stolen our camera, and then we reviewed the footage, and we were like, okay, that was the cable. So not only is it a physical conflict where our trolley would smash into the bridge, right? We would not be able to transport our materials. But like the, the liability of running bikers and pedestrians underneath a cableway that swings in the wind. I mean, there are, OSHA would have a cow. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I didn't know what else to do besides tell the people verbally, explain this is not an option. And I kept being really surprised when, like, the drawings kept coming out and the line was still on the paper. And finally, after your meeting where I heard via the grapevine that this was the alignment that had been chosen, I, I finally called the city directly and I just said, how is this line still on the paper? It doesn't work. So we're federal licensees under the Federal Power Act of 1935. 
we are responsible for our project area. And as a licensee, we have a 50-year license. People aren't allowed to build things that prevent our project from operating. So I, I apologize for however I was not clear enough in communicating. I mean, I, that was clearly a fail. And as I've said to quite a few people, usually I am not criticized for being too soft. <laughs> I'm usually criticized in the other way. And I, and I, so clearly I was too soft or I wasn't direct enough or I wasn't clear enough. As a result, the project was totally derailed. People were angry. They, it, people in the last public meeting suggested that perhaps Bowersock wasn't being accurate or we weren't telling the truth in a public meeting where some people, I mean, like the public wasn't even allowed to go to the meeting and then people in the public got to comment and then they commented and said things that were not true that was borderline defamation of our company. So, I mean, I was a founder of Flat. I am 100% committed to trails. I want to do everything I can to be a team player in this, but that was not an option. So that's how it happened. And I am, for whatever part I played in that, I truly apologize because I have every desire to see connectivity through the community that joins North Lawrence to the rest of the community. So I, I really, there are so many moving parts that haven't been considered in this project and I list them in my memo and I hope you all will take a look at that. I won't fill your time. I just have a quick question. It yeah. doesn't appear that, that any of the lines on the drawing actually intersect with the crane. Now originally there was an orange one that was going to go directly under it but that's not on the concept. So which line are you concerned about? I'm not sure I follow. So, so uh, go ahead. I can also jump in. So the <clears throat> steering committee approved of this proposal with the understanding that there would be a bridge connecting the river path to the helix. Oh, that's interesting. Now in between the first and se or the second and third steering committee meetings, this conversation occurred that was changed and then oh, okay. in between the steering committee meeting and public comment so the public was still able to see it and provide comment which is great we were able to get feedback on that which is still kind of ideal and kind of hits that check mark mm -hmm. but the steering committee wasn't able to see that change until the third and final one so it, does that explain why there's an odd dead end at the promenade? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's but, the way that got cut. And on that point with a dead end, like I was very concerned with the information that was given or not given to the steering committee. Like the steering committee never saw any of the designs that have been put together for that recreational area in front of Abe and Jake's. In fact, there's the lower road and then there are supposed to be stairs that go up to the promenade deck so it does create a walking loop. The steering committee was never provided with any of those designs. So, um, you know, steering committee was told that the levee can't have concrete on it. Well, the levee can have concrete. And I think, you know, one of the concerns in the last meeting, they said, well, we can't have the four street alignment because you'd have to use the levee and that's not possible for this grant. But I want to draw you attention, your attention to where the Vermont Street Bridge lands. It lands on the levee. The steering committee was told that, oh, the levee can't be used because it's not ADA accessible. And, and, and you can't have concrete on the levee. So then the steering committee was like, oh, well, I guess the fourth street's not an option because it re relies on using the levee. But 
it didn't it seem to miss people's attention that in fact access to the Vermont Street Bridge relies on the levy as well. So, you know, it's here you've got this committee who So yeah, I appreciate yeah. the comments. I think we're gonna have to take it up back to the commission because I know Hillary's been waiting for a while. And yeah, sure, like for sure. Have to start addressing I'm right this. here, yeah. I mean I I'll, make I'll sure, stand for further questions. Yeah, I just want to make sure that we don't get too far down the line. Totally. Just some other I'm stuff, right here. So. Whatever whatever you you know so just so I, um, on the bi it, this is part of the Biden's bipartisan imp improvements law, fiscal year 2022 to 2026, correct? Okay. Yeah, and so there was funding for raise grants in 20, fiscal year 2023 and 2024. We don't know if they'll be there in fiscal year 2025. Is that correct? I haven't seen any announcement about future years. <clears throat> yeah, I haven't either. I think we expect it. In some form or fashion, before it was raised, it, there was there's been other similar. It used to be called Tiger. Yeah. So, yeah, there. I think there will still be big grants in the possible. Will it be raised? Will it be something else? Right. Yeah, there will be opportunities in the future. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, administration changes. Should it happen? And never know what's going to happen with funding. I just want to be mindful of that. Um, and it's $1.5 billion allocation, federal allocation for the, the country, um, as I'm looking at the grant right now. Um, and so did the administration, like the USDOT, move up this time? Did someone say that they moved up the grant timeline sooner than we expected? Okay. So there was that change as well. Mm. What was it? Do you know when it was originally going to be set to be due? Like, it, more, it was like over, they cut off the timeline for a while for a month. Mm. Okay. So weird. <laughs> All the grant programs I've been involved in, I've never seen one move up. They yeah. always move back. That's very strange. It's an election year. I've That's seen it, this yeah. with the USDOT <laughs> okay. team before. Quote, unquote, simplified. That's nice of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's why they want to give notice of the grants in June. Mm -hmm. um, okay, that's good to know. And then, um, and I don't think, I mean, I don't think we should entertain a, a pivot to a planning grant at this point because it's too close to the deadline and it sounds like it would be too heavy a lift to go through that. So it's, I think right now we are either considering moving forward with a capital grant or we're shelving the raise grant entirely to send it back to just, public comment process, right? It's really not possible. Well, like I said earlier, Sorry, not yeah, Skak. Yeah. We can only hear you, but the people online might not be able to. Like I said, I just want to make sure I was clear. It's not completely off the table. It's just a hard, right. It's it, it does make things more difficult, okay. but it is not impossible. So it's just one of those things. It has to be decided like today, yeah. And I don't know that. And, and the challenge for us would be, I mean, they have a scope of services, a contract with us to do the raise construction grant. So we would have to find an amendment or renegotiate the scope and then take that through the channels to get that yeah, executed. So with, with that in mind, no, we can't change the scope and do an amendment and all that stuff mm -hmm. to get, get it through the process. I would say physically we could do the work, but we can't get through the process at time. And to that point, yes. And uh, I guess it's not even worth asking the question of what could a planning grant do because we're not even going to consider it. So I won't go there. Um, yeah, I, <clears throat> okay. That helps me answer that question, I think. 
It sounded, Dave, like what you were saying earlier, like a planning grant would cover some of what has already happened with what Cobb River Commons was doing to get the renderings up in the first place and getting the various options. Is that kind of what a planning grant, or I don't know who's the expert here on, sorry, study grants is what they're called. Are they study or planning? They're planning. They're planning. In, in the NOFO, they're called planning grants. The NOFO. And so, oh, that is a f and like, like I said, the planning grants at this point doesn't do a whole lot more except be more of the community engagement and things to flush out, you know, if the river front alignment can really be done and an engineering solution could come into play to be able to get that alignment done. But other than that, we're looking at either north or south across the, or east or west across mm -hmm. the river. That's really the only difference and it just would be more community engagement at that point to really come to the same means to an end. Um, and other than that, um, all the other components are the same. And I'll, I'll also address the street side alignment. I know there was comments said that, well, that doesn't close the loop, but in fact, it still provides safe ADA access. And to your point, it is more connected to the transit system and other things than the more recreation route. You know, when you look at from a benefit cost analysis standpoint on the street side alignment, you're looking at one and a half million dollars for the street side alignment versus a six million dollar bridge to do recreation versus connectivity. So in all reality, the street side alignment makes more of a compelling argument for the BCA, and it also still addresses safety concerns. It's not 100%, and it's, I understand the community and everybody wants the riverfront alignment, and that's you know really the flagship. Everybody wants to connect the loop in that manner. But, you know, I'm strictly looking at it from nuts and bolts engineering perspective and not putting my heart behind it and looking at it a bipartisan, you know, perspective. You know, the street side alignment does complete the loop. It just isn't preferred method and at least from the community standpoint. So, um... This, if you submit the grant, you'll hear back in June. Is there iterations that you would go through with the USDOT, or how would that work? It, or is it, this is set in stone, this is where we're putting the... I believe it is, um, it's a cut or dry, you win it or you don't. They provide us feedback. We integrate those into next year's application. There may be changes of the environment, so to speak, uh, with the political agendas and how that's pushed. But um, for the most part, everyone that I've seen where they've had to go back, you know, one or two times to finally get the money to build their project. Mm -hmm. So you're so. saying like you would, you would take the feedback if you were not awarded the grant to then reapply next year. Right. right, exactly. So they'll give us feedback of, hey, this area you were, can you better define this area? Mm -hmm. Can you, you know, provide more input in this? And they'll give us feedback on what makes our um, project more competitive for um, other, other uh, 
communities. And, and then uh, I will also address some of the other things that the planning grant does do in the whole sense of is getting a project you know, doing, I'll do the air quotes here, but project readiness. And some of that goes in, we need to be able to logically show that we can get the project done and there's not gonna be any roadblocks to completing the projects and getting the funds allocated or obligated and spent within their time frame. And so we feel like this application, we have done our due diligence of being able to put forward an application that we can show we can get it built within the time frame and obligations of the grant. Do you happen to know with the raise grants by when do the, the um, dollars have to be expended? Uh, I, I'll be going off of memory, but I know it's like 2028, they have to be obligated. Okay. And then, or no, it's, is that right? I can't remember. We got to get them obligated. So it means we have to have them, a contractor selected by 20, September 2028, I think. And then it has to actually be spent and done by like 2033 or 2035. Oh. So. And we've put together a schedule and a, and a spending schedule, and that's what our economists are looking at to do the BCA, to look at when we're spending the money and how that evolves with the different phasing and how many workers and everything that's gonna bolster the, the community. And if it was awarded, construction would start in, I don't know, quarter one, 2025, whenever. Sometime in 2025, do you have a, a schedule, like? an anticipated completion date if the award goes through? So currently the, and I haven't even shared this really with the city yet, so I'm kind of speaking out of terms without their review, but what we're looking at, one of the components of that riverfront dead end that nobody likes is it is a shovel-ready project. It's already been, it's ready to go to bid. And frankly, as soon as we find out it's an award, we can go to bid and start construction first quarter of 2025. That's showing that project readiness. And that's why we wanted to make sure and keep that component in there. While that's being construction, we can work out the design details on some of these other elements, mainly like the, the street side alignment, that's low hanging fruit. We are able to show that that's really within the, the street corridor. Right away, there'll be very little as far as having to deal with right of way and purchasing easements and things like that. So that's an alignment that we feel can be constructed in a, or designed and constructed in a very short matter. That, you know, kind of just design it, build it, design it, build it, and work through the schedule. And so we feel we have a confidence with this particular project that we can get it through the process, get all the funds obligated, and built within the parameters of the grant. So um, ult ultimately, we'll kind of know an adjusted construction schedule after like June, right? I think that's when the, the raise grants are going to be announced, is that correct? In June, well, the construction, I'll, I'll put it this way. The schedule we have is going to be a proposed schedule sure. that, you know, it's not going to be nailed down like anything. It's, it's planning. We, you know, there's always delays, and that's one of the things that we want to make sure that, you know, we're building into our schedule, you know, we already talked to the railroad. We've got a letter of support from the railroad, so they're on board with it. And... Um, some other elements of that nature, 
that we're going out to the community to get different letters of support to show that, you know, hey, there's not going to be any barriers to us getting this project done. Um, I have a really important comment about the project readiness that is, is critical information. Okay, if, if you can keep it to two, yeah. three minutes, yeah. Um, so the neighbors, are they asked, the city asked us to, the city asked us to sign as adjacent neighbors to approve the recreation project that's shovel ready. But actually, our neighbors have not signed that and they're refusing to sign that. So currently, we do not have the building owner's support for that recreation project that's supposed to be shovel ready. So there are negotiations happening right now with the city of Lawrence, but currently that is not shovel ready and there is no guarantee that that will ever be allowed to go forward. So yet another piece of information that hasn't been shared with the crew. And perhaps you didn't even know that. I don't, I, I don't know. Thank you. Okay. So we kind of, I guess, if, I, if you don't mind me asking another question. Yeah, and then we'll get a quick input from you after that. Well, let's, let's jump there. Yep. First. Okay. And I really apologize. This is, this is awkward for me. I'm not, I've never served on a commission like this. We served on a board. Um, and I would just like to point out an order of process that's happening that would never have been allowed mm -hmm. on the Board of Zoning Appeals. And that is that the staff serves at your pleasure to inform you and give you factual information. Um, and maybe it's our board was quasi-judicial and we had like to follow stricter rigor and stuff like that. But the uncertainty and kind of doubt casting around whether or not something could be completed would not have, they would not allow that on the Board of Zoning Appeals. And so there was an option that was thrown out and the option was the, the planning uh, thing, the design grant side of things. And like, I would just like, as, as uncomfortable as it say, it's like, I believe that that is still a very viable option that if you wanted to pursue you could request staff to pursue that. And the application might be half-baked. It might not be as well thought out as the capital grant that's being pursued. But you have the authority to request staff to pursue that. That's all I wanted to say. I think um, my question is kind of to Jake and maybe Jessica or David. Um, how, so obviously this isn't, how, how did this proposal, the Vermont Street one, hit the final stage with the Riverside connection um, in terms of the steering committee process? Because I don't think we'd be having this conversation if that change wasn't made, or at least a conversation comparable to this, where we had to cut off part of the Riverside. Okay. Sorry. This is Jake Baldwin, engineering program manager. Are you asking why we ended up with the Vermont Street alignment? No, more the, the disconnect between the river path and the helix. Um, why wasn't that, I guess, why wasn't that predicted if this has been something that's been talked about for the last few years? Uh, staff who was working on this project was not aware that that was an impossibility. We, we, when Sarah reached out to, to Mark Hecker and I, we actually met with her like the next day to look at it because it was new information to us. That, that answers my question. 
Sorry, Hillary. No, I was just. I guess just by order of process, what what are you planning here, Chair? I'm still trying to gather information. I feel like there's still some unknowns. I actually have a couple of questions that have kind of been sitting on while things have been bouncing around. It doesn't usually go like that, so okay. I'm kind of sitting back for right now. But um, there are a couple of technical things that I was curious about. One is, jeez, oh, what was I going to say? Okay. Why doesn't the fourth street alignment work? It's, it sounds like a, some steering committee members were interested in that and that it wouldn't necessarily not work for the same reasons that Vermont Street does apparently work with, with regard to the levee connection and the concrete paving and the ADA accessibility and all that jazz. It sounds like from all technical checkboxes, it would also work. And then that orange path wouldn't be vestigial behind the riverfront. I'm kind of curious from staff and Scott, your standpoint as well, is there a technical reason that forestry wasn't going to happen? I think when. Uh, sure, this is. Go ahead, Jake. Oh, go. Okay, so Jessica, you can fill in any gaps I leave. Um, Jake Baldwin, engineering program manager. Um, so after the second steering committee meeting, I, I guess to jump straight to the point, I, it, I think that is feasible. The forestry alignment is feasible. It just wasn't recommended by the steering committee. At the end of the second meeting, when we narrowed concepts, it was unanimous to go upstream. Um, but I think between, you know, ha having that change between the steering committee meeting and public meeting, you know, made people rethink where they, they preferred that alignment. And so that's where a lot of the discussion took place on the third steering committee meeting. Mm. Um, it's, it's definitely a viable option. There's pluses and minuses to both. Um, there's not a good um, sidewalk network, I would say, north of the levee there to the neighborhood. So that's something that's missing. Um, it is a better connection to the neighborhoods north and south. Um, some of the points brought up in support of the Vermont Stream alignment was uh, proximity to, I guess, city services, you would say, the library, the pool, the post office, um, city halls, kind of a wash, just kind of in between the two. But um, I think those were some of the, the arguments that were made. Mm. Thanks for the explanation. Okay. <clears throat> I can speak to the, on behalf of like, the steering committee. All right. You got a minute. Okay. Sorry, well, I think. I just want to. Sorry, I'm. Yeah. I, I know we're we're really doing a lot of public Maybe. comment, and I appreciate it. I'm just, you know, like, how do we want to handle this process back and forth? It's um, I'm really stuck on the decision, honestly. I'm so, perhaps let's do around the room, uh, around the bend here, and just kind of say where we're at and see what we might need. I think it's a good idea to kind of pause and see what, what's up. So, would you like to start with where you're leaning? I work as a planner. I understand how grant applications work and, you know, how long it takes to put together grant applications. Um, it's not, you know, like to go back and have you rescope, like to do a different sort of scope of work for a planning grant is not in the cards. And for me, where I said, if it costs no money to the city, and it advances capital projects that we've been you know, working on for over a decade with the Lawrence Loop, I think we should go for it. I, um, yeah, I think we should move forward with the, the application. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm, I echo a lot of what you're feeling. I really would not like to, you know, push it back, um, you know, kind of strike where the iron's hot type thinking um, but also um, well I have more questions too if you want to just get through the line first of where okay. we're standing but <laughs> I'm leaning more towards yes to not lose work done but also need more questions answered yeah. so it sounds like to me the, the big risk is that if race grants don't come out 
out again next year. Oh, we missed the train. Well, that's a bummer. Um, it, it does sound like there are other versions of raised-ish grants, like the Tiger or something else that might replace it. Um, it probably very much depends on the election, too. Who's in power is going to fund different things. So it's, it's a little bit up in the air. And yep. Sorry. Uh, just one comment of that, because we actually talked about that as well. As that was a question I had to our experts with it. And it's already instituted in law that the money is there to be spent up to 30, 30, 30, 35, something like that. So there is in the bipartisan bill, the, the money is going to be there. Now, what the name of the process is and what the driving, like right now, bicycle peds are really being pushed through all the, the grants for alternative transportation and all that. So that's where they want to spend their money. So who's to say where they're going to want to spend their money next year? That may change. Mm -hmm. So I'll just throw that out there. Yeah. That's beauty judge for sure. So, I mean, it, in terms of the concept itself, it does look a little bit redundant to have a bridge right next to two other bridges that do have sidewalks on them already. Are they pleasant? Not particularly. Are they safe? They're good enough, you know? I mean, it's a lot better than the roads that are right next to it. So, like, it's better. But it seems like a very expensive project for just that. And I say expensive because even though it would be grant-funded and is free, the, the money required to maintain it is not free. And bridges do not come cheaply. Um, so I would worry. And it's not a KDOT bridge either. So, like, they're not going to be on the hook necessarily for helping to repair it. So... It, it, if you're familiar with strong towns, they've kind of tossed around the analogy of like the Great Dane puppy for free. Like, awesome, it's a $3,000 value, absolutely free. Who now eats bags of food for six straight years and has hip dysplasia, right? So it's, eh, it, it, it is going to be a fiscal impact at some point. So even though it is free up front, I do want to make sure that we understand the commitment that we're getting into here. Yeah. Um, that being said, God, what a risk. If there isn't another raise grant next year to get nothing, that's a bummer too. Um, I think when it comes down to the, the rest of the concept, it's, it's kind of all over the place. I feel like if we're never going to build another bridge or connect the rest of that behind the riverfront path, it doesn't make any sense to really do it at all, honestly, um, unless there is going to be a connection all the way around, because we kind of already have that. You can get up to the promenade. I've done it. It's kind of sketchy, but you can do it. And then with the yellow path going through town, I'm actually okay with it. It's not perfect, but to me it's kind of like, it's almost more like an urban bike path, like you would see in like a Minneapolis or a Davis or something, that it's not really great as a recreational trail. It would not be fun to kind of get exercise on this thing. But if you had to hit destinations downtown, it's much closer to the actual destinations, which is good. Um, so I'm not against it necessarily. It would not be fun for exercise though. So I don't know, I, I mean, I, I think, it seems like we don't really need a planning grant from what I'm hearing, I mean, it would be nice to get it, but it seems like most of what we need to do is done except for the engagement. And it, it does seem like in hindsight, it would have been really great to talk to the affected parties early on. That being said, this has been in the paper for years now, I think. So, I mean, it, it, was, it was definitely out there, even if there weren't steering committee meetings on it. But these renderings have been floating around for quite some time, I believe. Um, I don't know what outreach the original team did to get it around. I, I think they were already working a lot of pro bono hours. I don't know how much time they had to go talk to everybody, but, um, I mean, this wasn't a new concept as of January necessarily. So, uh, Ed, what do you think? Are you I'm thinking. Uh, well, the, from what I 
know of this, but uh, the yellow trail, I think that's about the best one to go with. Well, it would be part of the whole package. Um, oh, it's um, All the colors will be included here. Oh, well. The yellows and the oranges. But, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Why not pass it in the other direction? There you go. Yeah. I don't know. That's right. And uh, Ryan, what do you think? At the end of the day, I want us to submit a capital grant. I think that's kind of where the work that's been done with from the city's perspective on this project is it, it would it would be a, a discredit to the public forums that we've had to not submit a raise grant this year, in my opinion. I will say I'm frustrated that this is where we're at because I think it could have been avoided, um, especially with the time. And then, you know, obviously we can't um, prevent federal timelines from getting pushed up. But with, you know, I think I would say that comfortably earlier in January, this would be a clean, we wouldn't even have to have a debate on it. But then suddenly, you know, with the change to this proposal and then the hesitancy in the final committee meeting, that's where I'm towing the line. Ultimately, I will support what the committee decided. It was a 7-2 vote. The majority wanted a grant submitted, even if they were disappointed with how the process ended up or what the what it ended up looking like. If there is if we have the ability to adjust this slightly, maybe where you know the, the river path isn't there, but I don't think we I'm not sure what that looks like. Um, nor do I think a, a you know in this forum we should necessarily do that because the public did look at this map. The public provided um, you know, m multiple iterations of commentary on it, and there were multiple meetings on this specifically. I'm hesitant to suggest a change to it because I don't think it's really in our best interest to do that. Uh, the, the vast majority of comments on the public opinion were positive. There were negative comments, to be fair, but. I would imagine the negative comments were probably like an absolutism, right? Yeah. Like, why are we doing this at all? You know, and, and so at the end of the day, you know, when we go, I'm, I'm in support of this. I just wanted to kind of voice, um, if we ever choose this route in the future, or if we adjust this plan down the line, I'd like it to be more transparent, and I'd like us to spread out this calendar more and try to plan as far as ahead as we can so we don't end up to it end up in a debate like we're having right now. Yeah. Hmm. I, I know that's not helpful. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know how much this is in the bylaws or not, but I may actually have to recuse myself from a vote anyway, because I work for one of the companies on, on the project team. I would benefit in no way materially from this going one way or another, but I don't know what the rules are necessarily about voting or not. Well, if you feel like you have a conflict of interest, I would uh, ask you to recuse yourself. That's the case. Yeah. I mean, I would say if, if this goes forward and the company I work for is selected to be on the construction thing, it won't affect me at all. I don't get bonuses. I don't get sales goals or anything. <laughs> oh. It'd be cool to say, like, hey, my company's doing this, and that's the only benefit I would get. Would you so, work on this? No, absolutely not. I'm not that kind of engineer. I would deal with the stuff in the water. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see if any, if we need a tiebreaker. I guess. Um, sorry, uh, Damon. Do you have other questions? You said earlier? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I was just curious how much design development will be done up to the point of submitting for grant. Like, are we 
engineering the structure and everything before submitting, or does that happen after you hold all that until you know you have the funds? No, uh, we're going in at a concept level. This, what we've presented here with the, the research we've done and um, the analytics and the BCA and all that, that's what puts forth the, the grant. Um, the grant allows for design and planning to be done within the capital grant. So the next phase will be to go into the next phase of community engagement to talk about the art and culture development of the design elements going into the project itself. Jake, is that appropriate to say? Yep, that's accurate. Mm -hmm. So it could um, hypothetically, we could be coming back, um, having won the grant and be looking at a, a different map. I mean, we could feasibly have a helix that connects a totally different way, um, you know, once we go through that design process. Sorry, yeah, nothing in about. nothing in those schematics are set in stone right. okay. other than just we we put enough design elements into it to kind of just bring it to life for people to be able to visualize what it could be what it actually ends up being is completely through the design process right so does that mean that the bridge could be realigned at a different spot or not quite that much of a I, I don't think so because what we're doing is the location of the bridge is what's driving the BCA. And so if we're moving the location of the bridge, that changes the, the dynamics of the cost benefit analysis, you know, the, the construction cost elements, even though when we're talking about millions of dollars, you know, $100,000 a year, although I'd like it in my bank account, it, it still, you know, affects the project so we we can't be changing those elements when we commit to it in the grant the feds are going to expect us to build what we commit to as far as that is concerned so these five big sections right river path downtown oxbow those are kind of once we pass this those are what the and let's say we get it the feds will expect us to build those they will expect us to build those and um, you know, n not saying that there's not some minor tweaks and design elements that can, you know, straighten out some of the, the street side path or the downtown path through there, but, you know, moving the location of the bridge, that's, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not a little tweak. Yeah. Okay. Is there any way to remove the orange part from the grant ask? It just seems, I don't know, I, I, from people who are on the steering committee, is there any purpose to it other than just getting to a place in a slightly different way? The river path? Well, the orange one, because you can already get there. One of the elements we talked about, and, and maybe it does come off the table as far as the project readiness with what uh, Barsock had, had mentioned, but the, also the thought process is there is, if you guys are building that, if we can get that in and approved, and I'll say this also, during the review, and they can approve or not approve portions of 
the application. So they may see that dead end and say, yeah, we like everything, but we're not going to pay for the dead end. We think that's recreation. That doesn't align with our stuff. And it comes out. Okay. Thought process is, hey, it's already there. Let's add it in. If we get it included in the grant, then that frees up capital funds for another project that you guys can use sometime else. Okay. I have a separate question. Okay. Um, so, in discussing with Evergy this morning, please, please, yeah. Um, in discussing with Evergy this morning, you know, they had not been consulted on this process. So, this wraps around their substation, and on the schematics, it has it going right next to this critical infrastructure. So, I'm sure you all are aware that everybody's really concerned about our critical critical infrastructure. I mean, which is a, another reason why the path right by Bowersock was you know, not, not an option, but then we've got elevated structures right over the core substation for City of Lawrence. So I can't speak to whether Evergy would approve it, but having not discussed with Evergy, here we are applying for this grant and no one has communicated with the entity that's operating critical infrastructure that this is all going to go around. So, you know, then are we going to apply for it and then say to the feds, like, oh, shoot, sorry, we forgot to consult with Evergy and it doesn't work with them. So, it, you know, it's just another layer of concern about a grant application that hasn't considered all the key elements like a whole portion of it is not been approved by the property owners. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Scott, I have a question. So kind of connecting that, if there is an aspect that needs to be changed to accommodate a request from a stakeholder in the area, let's say Evergy in this example, doesn't want us to build this in a certain spot, if we get the grant, are we able to make that adjustment? So again, I look at it as if you're talking about major components or minor components. We do it all the time in design is, oh, we get a, a property owner that doesn't agree or, hey, do we have to have a perfectly straight corridor and our sidewalks have to be straight? Or, you know, this landowner has a 200-year-old tree that, you know, has been on their property for years. Can we move the bicycle path around a tree? Those kinds of things are design elements we can work around. And, you know, if during the process of the design, you know, we'll be doing survey, we'll be finding out where property owners are, we'll be looking at the actual construction footprint and seeing, are we impacting them at all? Do we need a temporary construction easement? Do we need to do something different you know we haven't gotten to that level of design that is common practice through the process is working with the property owners to get those easements um, if right of way and and just and we've looked at the map we've looked at the parcel data you know these alignments aren't going straight through the substation or anything like that. And I'm not trying to debate any anything. I'm just saying these are just design elements that haven't been fully, these are concepts at this point. And there's a lot of work that needs to go into actually nailing down the exact alignments based on a lot of, you know, nor, I call them normal engineering processes to get to the end product. So ultimately there will be a stage after this is approved where this will happen. Yes. Well, it, it has to happen or the right. project doesn't go sure. forward. All right. So 
I think we're probably getting close to a motion. I know how you're going to vote. I think I know how you're going to vote. I mean, I'm not entirely sure if you're sold on one way or another. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess for me it was when you were talking maintenance and mm -hmm. um, long-term fiscal responsibility. Uh, I guess this is the, <coughs> the other big sticking point I think I would have right now. Uh, I think for me, I'm, I'm starting to lean towards hunting till next year it's a risk because we don't know if the money is going to be there again if there's a different regime in office they may not have the same priorities and they may not fund the same stuff that that worries me on the other hand everything that this does you can still do right now it's not perfect but you can still do all the things that this would help you do better and in style um that, which is not to say it's a bad project by any means i still think it's it would be a great asset <clears throat> But I don't think it's it's gonna be you know, like I can still get through to downtown. Would I want my kid to go through there on there? No. But you know, I don't think that would necessarily change based on how the alignment currently is either. So, um, I also do think that that we may have to you know do a lot of during design changes that are probably gonna drive up the cost, like dealing with Evergy, dealing with Bowersock, dealing with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, dealing with KDOT. Like there's gonna be a lot of talks that if they haven't already happened, may significantly slow down and drive up costs, which is an issue as well. So, I don't know. Um, based on how Lawrence kind of tends to run, we tend to skew higher engagement than lower engagement. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's always towards the end, when it's like, it's way too late, we have to submit, we've already spent all of our money on engagement, you could have come out a year ago and you didn't, right? It's gonna be the same way for the land development code, climate action plan, downtown master plan, Every time we do this, it's the exact same story. Um, so like, yeah, could we have had better input early on? Sure. Was it gonna happen? Likely not, even if it's in the paper. So um, I, I think I am gonna vote to say n no on this one and continue the engagement just because I'm kind of flipping the coin and hoping that it indeed will work. I also don't think that my vote is gonna tip anything. So. It's more of just an acknowledgement that I think things could have been done differently. Ed, what are you thinking? I'm thinking <clears throat> no as well because it's just doesn't seem that there's not all the ducks are in a row. There's still a lot of things to be said about it. Hmm. Okay. I vote yes to move forward. I think personally, I'm voting no, but with where I sat on the committee. You're kind of bound by honor. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm voting yes because the committee voted yes. And, and that's I, why we sent you to that committee, because you're a man of honor. I, but, um, now we know. So, um, I also think a really big gap here is some stuff that was, I think it was discussed during the, the alignment study in 2017, where we could actually, well, maybe it was just in the early concept of this particular project, where we could actually go through a part of Riverfront Plaza to connect back up to the path instead of just being stuck or going through the Bowerstock Dam, which is not going to happen. Sorry, do you have a... That's a lot sad there. Hmm? Um, I'm talking about Riverfront, not the dam, though. Yeah, the, 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 okay, so right now, in terms of alternative funding, 
Okay, there are three more years. Olathe just got $18 million to bridge a railroad for a pedestrian crossing. There are three more years of funding that are allocated to address railroad congestion issues. So, and, and they are designed to address issues where the railroad is causing a barrier in a community or where it's causing safety concerns like it does in Bircham Park where it traps people in Bircham Park for hours on end and children drag their bikes under the train to get out of Bircham Park. And like we are textbook and I will go all day every day on that grant supplying all the supporting uh, information. So that is a great alternative and one of the things that you could consider doing is to run the loop connection. It could go for a small portion between Bowersock and City Hall. And in early alignment studies, that was heavily favored by the community. And it was one of the top choices for the closure of the loop. With the railroad funding, you could elevate it above the train, and you could then alleviate any concerns about Burlington Northern being concerned about it. So that actually would complete the loop, and it does get people down towards the river. Another thing to think about is that Spring Hill Suites building, another of the things that I commented on um, my application but that building is is for sale it is not well occupied and there are we don't know it's an old building and it has some challenges so we don't know what's going to happen to that building and that's another core piece that people should consider other things like if you really wanted to do a raise grant that was going to be successful think about ways that you could connect it to the transfer station could the transfer station go down there? Could the farmer's market go down there so that you would have the sustainability aspect? Like there are so many pieces that could go into this. And so you asked about the cut through the building and that's why I stand up and say, yes, there are alternatives for going along the railroad line. And yes, there could potentially be building op options for having a more, a better connection to the river. And I wanna say for the record that Bowersock will move our parking, like anything that we can do to facilitate uh, trails going through there, I will do. And people, I want to say again, it's not that I wasn't engaged. I spoke directly with representatives of the Caw River Commons. I told them a year and a half ago. So I, I'm sorry, but I understand. You know, I was referring engaged. To the other utilities. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm referring to Evergy. This. One. So lots of moving parts, lots of opportunity. You know that I-70 bridge, KTA. I've talked to them. They would totally support. They've said they would support a connective connectivity up there. So you could actually connect straight to the loop by going up the levee. Mm -hmm. on, you know, alongside the KTA bridge, drop down through Birchham Park, or go straight over to Michigan. Okay. You know, there are lots of big picture things that haven't been considered. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. All right. Well, 30 seconds and out. I think we're ready otherwise. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna as well. <laughs> Sorry. That's I appreciate it. I really do. Um, this is an amazing meeting. I wish the steering committee had made a, uh, um, when they motioned to approve the recommendation, that they had made a motion to approve the recommendation, but ask you as the commission to consider if the design that was chosen is the appropriate one. And so that's the last wrench that I'm gonna throw in here is just that like, 
we made a decision that was rushed and that had a last minute change. You all get to see this big picture. And my challenge to you would just be like, hey, if, if the difference between the 4th Street and the Vermont Street Bridge is negligible or something like that, I would ask you from a transportation commission perspective to say like, which of those two bridges supports your larger vision for transportation in the city? You know, connect the East Lawrence Art District to North Lawrence to downtown, or in my opinion, make a third bridge. Okay, thank you. Okay. I would make a motion that we, hold up, that we recommend approval of the raised grant concept for the raised construction grant for the Lawrence Loop Trail um, to be submitted, the application to be submitted. All in favor, say aye. You need a second. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting drunk with power here. <laughs> what I meant was, are there any seconds to the motion? I'm sorry, it's two hours in now. I second that now. motion. Okay. First by Kuzmiak, second uh, second by Reza. All in favor, say aye. Aye. All in favor, say, or all in not favor, say nay. 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 All abstaining, say abstain. Did you say anything, Damon? <laughs> I didn't hear you say I didn't. I, okay. You caught me off guard. Well, look at you. We're tied, fast. so we can't do it anyway. So we have to go back and do it again. <laughs> let's, uh, so let's revert. Uh, sorry, I should have. I was just curious about the next step for this is going to city commission. Is that mm -hmm. right? yeah next week? Yeah. So basically, so that's another. They can uh, choose to listen to us or not. Right. It's just an endorsement, really. But an endorsement that comes with city commissioners usually <clears throat> watching this and listening to it and weighing sides and stuff. It's you know. I don't know if. Candidly, I'll, I'll say it candidly. Obviously, I'm supporting this today because I was sat on that committee. Next week, if this goes through, I will testify as a private citizen yeah. against this. And you have every right to. Yeah. <laughs> you have every right to. Yeah. I mean. So, okay. Um, Damon, are there any other final questions you wanted to, to run through to make sure that we're all making informed as best we can decisions? And if it would help everybody, we could take a quick five-minute break because we've been talking for two hours. I'm out of water. It, I've been talking it could be useful, to... especially giving giving thirsty. giving <laughs> Damon the time to think. I don't want to pressure him in any way. So, Steph, you okay with that? Yes. I'm sorry. I have the power. Let's do it. Um, let's do a five-minute break. Come back here. Well, come back, come back here at eight. Let's just do eight of seven. I would I would encourage commissioners not to engage um, with members of the public and staff at this point, we're really just doing a quick bathroom break and a thinking break. Um, we can do that after the decision, but we've already gone against protocols. Well, we've, yeah, so we've got a motion on the table, so you can just we can yeah. put a pause on it and take a break and right? come okay. back. Cause and then it was like a hung motion that wasn't fully voted on, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So we can table it and then take a break and come back. Okay. In that case, yeah. No discussion in between anybody else of what's going on, just water, think, bathroom. Back at 8.06, sorry, 8.07, just chimed. Same time. Oh. All right, don't make me bang the gavel. I never get this thing, so. All right, we're back in order. 
Um, so if you have conversations, can you please take it outside? Sorry. We're ready. Um, the motion is on the table to, hold up, rec to approve the raise grant concept for the Lawrence Loop Trail. The second was by Commissioner Reza. Um, all in favor of approving the grant concept as it stands, say aye. 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 Okay. And all in not favor, say nay. Nay. Okay. Passes three to two. Got it. So thank you everybody for your time. I know that was a lot to talk about and I appreciate your allowing me to kind of go off script a little bit and see if we can get all the perspectives here. Um, useful discussion and yeah. We appreciate your work and all the time you put in the community. Thank you for all you guys do. Mm -hmm. Thanks for coming up. Thank you for coming. Um, we are moving on to item number four, the bricks. The bricks. I think this is maybe the longest awaited item that we've ever had on the agenda. <laughs> it's been coming since 06 or something? A long time. I, when, was, when was the first time that this was on an well, agenda? You'll hear about it. I have history. I'm excited. <laughs> hey, wait. One moment, please. Oh, 2014. Thank you, commissioners. My name is CeCe Riley. I'm a transportation planner with the city of Lawrence. Here to talk about brick streets and sidewalks. So as you may have seen in the executive summary, I'm just going to go over some of the high points. Um, the purpose of getting a brick streets and sidewalks policy um, is both to work with the plan 2040 comp plan, which identifies brick streets and sidewalks as a community resource, stating those two goals, as well as, um, as mentioned, we've had a lot of ongoing works towards getting a brick streets and sidewalks policy going. Um, since 2005, really, there's been um, increased attention on the pavement and the um, PCI, I don't remember what that stands for, pavement conditions. Um, and then 2011, the city auditor recommended the city establish guidance on maintaining streets that are brick or asphalt covering brick. And then it was 2013 that city staff worked with Historic Resources Commission to um, better understand brick streets and sidewalks, understand those concerns within the community, and then a initial draft policy was made it was presented in early 2014 to the city commission and the policy was ultimately not adopted. They um, just sort of tabled the vote, um, said to go back to the community and do more work. It was a pretty short two-page policy. It was one of the items in the um, additional agenda reports at the end of the agenda item. Hmm. And then 2017, Brick streets and sidewalks were again brought up by the city auditor as well as the public works director as a priority. That was another um, similar agenda linked at the end of the agenda item report. And then in 2020, which is likely the one that most folks are um, familiar with, 2020 into 2021, there was a neighborhood special interest group that um, worked with a member of city engineering to um, understand concerns and ultimately that city um, or 
that neighborhood special interest group drafted a policy, gave it to the city, um, and sort of put it back in their hands asking that it be brought to the city commission. Due to staff turnover and the events of 2020, that went on hold until now. So what's different than the previous efforts are that transportation planners are engaged. Um, Jessica Mortinger, as I'm sure you're very familiar with, really great at getting stuff done. Uh, I'm on her team as well as um, other staff that we have dedicated time and efforts to getting this done. The 2024 budget process identified it as a priority and we've established a subcommittee or a staff working group, not a subcommittee, sorry. We've established a staff working group um, already to sort of get the pieces rolling, understand the history that's gone so far, and then also what are the conflicting values within the city to sort of have one uniform voice. Previous efforts really um, only engaged engineers, whereas now we have asset management and historical resources and other bodies on that team. So ultimately what we're looking for today is to um, have your recommendation to build a subcommittee. That subcommittee would assist in um, developing the policy, working with staff, um, understanding sort of those key um, community concerns and values that are out there to ultimately make the policy as best that it can, representing both sides. Um, before you is what staff is recommending and looking through um, past community efforts as well as um, what key stakeholders exist in the community that may have vested interest in sort of the movement of folks both on sidewalks and streets in this area. Ten members is really what we've seen work best um, just to have a really effective working group and we have a pretty short timeline so um, I'll get to that in a second. But um, as I mentioned earlier, the staff working group on this, um, land use planners, historic resources, um, forestry, ADA compliance, all working together to make sure that we have as good of a policy as possible. Um, some of the places that we saw previous policies sort of fall through were not accounting for all of these. So we wanted to make sure early on that it was addressed. And then so this is that timeline, that subcommittee that we mentioned earlier, um, there's a pretty short timeline um, that we're proposing and that the um, city budget really um, supports to try and get this to city commission in about six months. By fall of 2024 is our goal. Um, this has really been going on for a long time and we recognize that and the importance of getting this addressed. So you'll see sort of a brief overview of what we've put together. A few open houses, um, a survey identifying values, um, bringing draft policies to the public once the subcommittee has worked on it, and then ultimately, yeah, that July um, hopeful tentative deadline. Um, we foresee the subcommittee meeting three times in the next six months, so um, that is something to keep in mind with the um, folks who end up on the subcommittee. We're looking to ultimately have uh, brick streets and sidewalks policy as well as a staff report which identifies those public engagement summaries, the history, and then best practices. Um, it's not necessarily a question of 
yes brick or no brick, I think that there are um, lots of research into how to maintain brick as best as possible to make sure that that asset is protected. Um, and that can be a part of this policy as well. That's just some photos of brick. But today, looking for that buy-in on the subcommittee. Really additional details will be the subcommittee's work and <coughs> part of the public engagement that we do in the six months to come. Okay. So if you have any questions or any thoughts, I'd be happy to answer. I think my first question is just to make sure I heard you right. So there's a bit of a push for schedule. Could you explain what the deadline is that we're trying to meet? There's no hard and fast deadline. It's not like we have something coming up in the fall that we're trying to get ahead of. It's just recognizing um, that the community really has bought into this for a long time and we've not then delivered a policy back. Um, and maintaining that trust with the community is really important. And so um, six months is what we've sort of identified as both realistic from a staff perspective, but also um, with gusto. We want to make sure that we get it done, we get it done right, but that um, we're not keeping another 10-year timeline going. Okay, that's good enough. And I'd like to add some additional information. It's our understanding coming to the, into this space that there is money in the 2024 CIP for brick sidewalk improvements. Mm -hmm. And in order to have, there's desire for this policy to address what priorities and what work should be done in that space. So that way that money can be expended. Yeah, there is a lot of holes in our non-motorized prioritization plan that involve bricks. And we've had to punt on those for years because we haven't had a way to deal with them. So, okay. Can, I gotcha. Can we see the brick map again? Yeah. I just wanted to yeah. ask the... I couldn't find it. I knew it was somewhere in the... Yeah, end, but I, I knew it. <laughs> Absolutely. There we go. So, is this what you're speaking to, the brick map? Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is just something that I pulled up um, quickly. As the subcommittee goes through it, I expect there to be um, additional maps made, uh, publicly available, and actively used as a resource. Um, this was sort of to go along with the um, last neighborhood special interest group, the 2020-2021. Um, we really saw a lot of engagement from East Lawrence and Old West Lawrence, but I wanted to identify that Pinckney and Oriad both also have um, a good amount of both streets and sidewalks made of brick, and so making sure their voices are at the table. So there, are there no bricks, brick sidewalks in south of East Lawrence? Like whatever that neighborhood. Are there no brick sidewalks? Is that what you said? Sorry? Brick sidewalks and roads. Is this kind of the main concentration of bricks? This is the main concentration. I can't say for certain right now that there's none. There are, you'll see um, some brick sidewalks are in North Lawrence as well. Um, they're used as visual interest pieces in different places, but this is where we see the highest concentration. Gotcha. Thank you. You said that there was a maybe a neighborhood group that came forth in 2017, 2020. What was that? Or so, what was their concern? Um, I've had to um, sort of pull together a lot of resources from that. Uh, I've read through thousands of emails, um, trying to understand because there wasn't. Uh, um, a report that was really published after it. Um, there was a high amount of staff turnover towards the end of that time frame, and I think that that sort of led to the fizzle. Um, but um, I've identified the members that were a part of that neighborhood special interest group. I don't know what they always represented in that space. That wasn't identified in the previous work. Um, but the highlights that I gathered from their 
concerns and the policy that they drafted were um, interest in um, maintaining the historic character that brick streets, they spoke more to brick streets than they did sidewalks. Um, maintaining that historic character with brick streets, especially in Old West Lawrence and East Lawrence. There was interest from that group in um, removing asphalt coverings from brick streets um, as a primary identified policy initiative. They also had um, a decent amount of initiative about or wanting additional masoners to be in the city of Lawrence and training folks to do that work. It was a policy that I think was built out of a lot of care um, and passion for the topic, but it wasn't ultimately um, tied as closely as we're looking for this policy to be to um, deliverables that the city can provide. So if I remember correctly, it actually came out of the, out of the East 9th Street project, which was controversial in its own right, um, at least in East Lawrence it was. But I think there was an intersection that was supposed to be repaved with brick, and it wasn't repaved exactly the right way, and it may have caused some issues. And I think that's when people in the neighborhood were like, we got to get some kind of policy here to show these contractors how to get the bricks back in the right way. And like, what about the sidewalks? What about the rest of the streets? Is that sort of your understanding, that East 9th Street was kind of what catalyzed it? Dave, you may be able to speak to that more. Um, uh, I don't know if it was a specific project that, that, I mean, that was a issue on 9th Street and the intersection, the pattern of the bricks, so that yeah. came up. But no, the conversations have been going on for a while and they continue to come up. Uh, you know, when we discuss street maintenance and doing maintenance on streets that have asphalt on top of brick. And so, yeah, it's something that comes up in many different yeah. factors and, and more recently as we talk about um, ADA accessibility and the transition plan and you know how do we treat the sidewalks so yeah okay yeah we're gonna try to cover it all with this it, it, it does look like it's a much more comprehensive group than it's ever been before, which is good, because it seems like it was kind of yeah. riding on MSO, and if staff turnover happens in MSO, like, well, there it goes, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's enough of a coalition, I think it, it seems like it's destined to go a lot further this time, which is Yes, great. we're not letting CC go anywhere until it's done. <laughs> no, for now. just kidding. But we, no, we, we, we also have a huge stockpile of bricks at our city facility of old used bricks, and like, what do we do with those? And some of them could be reused, and some can't. <laughs> And so, yeah, that's... I kind of got conflicting information from the background resource. And some of them, it was like, it's a huge stockpile. And other ones, like, eh, it's not really that big. A lot of them are broken. So I, I've never seen stockpile. I, I can't say, but... And so that can also be another initiative that we seek out after this brick streets yeah. and sidewalks policy that can be, you know, highlighted and we have room to expand upon that. But so before you today, we're really looking for the initiation of that subcommittee. Yeah. <clears throat> and also the makeup of the subcommittee and appointing our people to it, all those things. Okay. All right, well, let's go through it step by step. Anybody have any yay or nay on the subcommittee? We're good to go forward on that and put that into a, a motion eventually. Okay. I move to, I. Uh, sorry. Sorry. I, I should have specified. I don't think we need to do it yet. I, th oh, okay. I, I think we just need to make sure we're aligned on like the bottom level before we get up to more complicated stuff, but I like your enthusiasm. I'm going to ask you again. I later. jumped the gun. Sorry. So, it's okay. I've been doing that all day at work, it seems. So um, the next part is the timeline. I 
I agree with it. I think six months is fine. I don't know if we really have any power to change it. So um, I would just say that I'm, you know, I'm generally planning on just kind of accepting the, the structure, the timeline, the existence of, of it as is. So is this going to be to teach people how to redo the sidewalks in the streets? It's just a policy to, well, there probably will be some engineers involved, right? So you'll see in the um, staff memo, I don't have a slide about it, but the deliverables, that last piece of the staff memo, um, highlighted the various pieces that um, staff in our discussions is really envisioning and hoping that this policy contains. So it's um, how to maintain brick streets and sidewalks and who is responsible for that maintenance, what material is appropriate, um, when is it appropriate or necessary to reconstruct a sidewalk or curbs to ADA standards, um, where brick is considered within the national or state designation of historic properties or districts and the recommendations for such areas, technical specifications of identifi identified alternatives for, for brick streets and sidewalks, requirements versus suggestions for property owners with brick sidewalks on the right of way, and then ultimately efficient, effective, and equitable standards. So it's not necessarily a training program as much as it is a policy that the city can look to when there are development or reconstruction or things of that nature that we have the questions that pop up. What are we going to do with the brick streets? And this policy will be what's looked to in order to have that answer. What is KU, like they're part of the task um, force or subcommittee. What like what vested interest do they have in it? I guess their proximity to the old West Lawrence brick streets and sidewalks. Their proximity. Um, Jessica, do you have guidance on that too? Yeah, so I think they were thrown out there in terms of the context of they have done some of these alternative treatments with brick or refabricated brick. It's context in the entire community with design standards and they'd be a valuable kind of alternative perspective in this process as a neighboring partner in these spaces. Um, I don't know what if they're in nearby situation, if they're probably not, I mean, they're reconstructing in concrete most of their stuff in terms of things, but I mean, if you decide not to invite them, that, that's Oh, no, I'm not I mean, saying don't I invite them. We were just kind of thinking, you know, to yeah. round this out, what's a good kind of picture? Possibly, yeah. um, you know, they have students engaged in some of their, you know, we'll reach out. If, if we move forward in this way, we have a couple different uh, areas that we work with at the university, design and construction management and transportation services. So thinking about other priorities or other things in terms of mobility, um, we would reach out in those spaces. Sometimes they have students involved in those departments and the student gets in assigned to this kind of assignment, which may be something nice too for a perspective. Yeah, cool, just curious. The other piece when looking at the task force, so we sort of identified that 10 members may be best, and that may determine you know, two to three members of the uh, Multimodal Transportation Commission. If you go with two members, maybe you add another member if this body can think of someone else they want at the table. Um, you have some flexibility in there too. These were just recommendations from staff. I'd, oh, sorry. I go first. I'd be intrigued to see what the rest of the commission thinks on adding Barker and then Brook Creek. A lot of those folks travel on these brick roads going southbound. I don't know. Figured I'd throw in. I live in that area, and so I I do travel on these roads all the time. 
And so I figured maybe adding more neighborhood association input if the interest is there too. I'm not sure if they would be interested. There was a larger map that had like dark red and regular red on it that I think showed the full extent. That might be useful for the discussion if you have it. I swear I saw it somewhere in the agenda. Um, I believe that map uh, covers what is asphalt covered within uh, the mm. brick territory, whereas this map is highlighting where brick is um, the top surface. Um, some of the... Um, Meeting minutes I've found from that past neighborhood special interest group that was um, predominantly, there were about 15 to 20 people on that group. I can't identify who all was in attendance for each meeting, but um, because there was such a strong um, presence from neighborhood groups, I don't know that it swayed the conversation in certain directions. And um, these neighborhood associations really have the most um, direct impact for where they live. I think that most of the community can speak to um, traveling on brick streets and sidewalks. So that's just a perspective to provide. Oh, that makes sense. I, I was just figured I'd throw it out there. I don't really, I'm not gonna die, like, you know, die on this hill, but wanted to <laughs> pose the question. Found it. Okay. I thought, I actually was thinking like, that with the Historic Resources Commission and neighborhood associations, like they probably, are on a, maybe in a similar place with wanting to preserve sidewalks, but needing more representation of people who have difficulty traversing them from an accessibility perspective. I don't know how many people would be from independence or whatnot, but I, you know, I, in from our study session in December and just you know talking to people with different abilities and trying to wheel down a sidewalk is like. I think a really important perspective to have with how we adopt this policy. So, you know, I'm just talking out loud, but I think, um, awesome, I'm really glad we're doing this. I think it's, it sounds like it's really overdue, and I wanna make sure that we can have a network that accommodates all Lawrence residents, too, so. Absolutely. Yeah. The ADA transition plan is um, a big piece of why this is also getting off the ground now. Um, Evan Carinta, the ADA compliance administrator, um, has been in these discussions for some time and his uh, buy-in to it and interest in it is absolutely in line with yours. Mm -hmm. I would suggest also then, you know, you are sparse in terms of num in numbers and you have a lot of other you know you have a lot of other commitments as members maybe you put two of yourself and you add a representative from like live well built environment work group where we've had their participation and their interest in um you know all ages and abilities that would be another way if you took your uh commission members down to two you could add somebody without taking anybody off and add live well Beat me to it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, yeah. Although I was thinking maybe health department, but they're kind of closely related, honestly. So um, I don't, I mean, we rarely send any more than one full designated person to any steering committee. Mm -hmm. I know this one's important, but I don't know if we really need that many people at the table. And we already have a decent amount of involvement on steering committees right now anyway. I feel like we could get away with one, personally. And then just have an alternate, just in case, but to free up room for people who aren't usually at the table as well. I don't think we need any more than four neighborhood association members. And honestly, even as somebody who used to live in Pinckney, we could probably cut them, honestly. There's like half a street. And there are sidewalks, and they can still do public comment. But Old West and Oriad and East Lawrence are by far more affected by 
mm -hmm. sidewalks than anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, even though there's probably four other neighborhoods that do have a brick something. And I personally love the idea of de-asphalting streets to re-brick them from a neighborhood traffic management standpoint. Um, it's not like they're easier to drive on. They just slow down cars a little bit, which is nice. So, If we were to cut to one, which I think is a, probably a good idea, um, does staff has a, have another recommendation? Or is there like another recommendation from the commission? I, I, I don't think you have to add enough. more people. You can oh, okay. go to eight or nine. Sure. I mean, I think that's... <laughs> Yeah. We just wanted to add a cap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is a good idea. We want to be careful. I've sat on some steering committees that are like up to 20. Like, this is just chaotic. It's, you know, just 75% of the people well, don't even speak. And I think, as CC mentioned, the thing we wanted to really try to get into with the kind of recommending something to you is that we are offering some different diverse perspectives in these groups. And so we're not getting into a situation where it's only a single perspective, right? A singular perspective of historic preservation or um, you know, neighborhood character. And instead we have mobility and asset management and all of, you know, like taxpayer accountability, that impacts quality of life and housing affordability. So there's all of these other perspectives that are also values that we're trying to balance in that, in that sense. Um, and they're in, they're in conflict with each other. And um, I think kind of having a group that we can take along in the entire process from beginning to end that has a set of diverse voices, I think will help us get to a compromise, which is what this policy is going to require. So on that thought of not having too many of the same voice, which I feel like all the neighborhoods are maybe going to have kind of a similar mm -hmm. output. Should we maybe trim it down to three at large core neighborhoods and just say like, you know, hey, as long as you live in or can, can reasonably be determined to represent a core neighborhood, you know, maybe there's two people from East Lawrence and only one from Oriad or, you know, because it, it's tricky when you go from neighborhood to neighborhood how the associations kind of function. Pinckney is kind of disorganized. I used to be the vice president, so I'm... It's hopefully it's better than since I left. Um, Elna is pretty well organized in East Lawrence. Um, Oriad, there's two competing neighborhood associations, so that's fun. And then with uh, what's the other one? Old West is they're pretty well organized as we've seen with their traffic pilots. So the the levels of involvement are going to vary anyway. So if we do at large, I'm thinking we can maybe still get what we need in terms of input from neighbors without being as prescriptive. Um, just an idea. Doesn't have to go that way, but. And then we don't feel like we're excluding anybody, like I just thought to do with Pinckney. So it's not like I left them out of spite. I still like the neighborhood. So just go to land and ask land to appoint rather than the specific neighborhoods. Yes. Normally I'd say don't go to land because I've now learned that the neighborhoods they don't represent, they really don't represent. But they represent all these neighborhoods. Because that's what, we, that's what staff would have to do. Okay. Yep. They do represent all these neighborhoods. So I like that idea. And that was for how many members? Sorry. Three? Three. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah. yeah. And then I think from our side, are you all okay with just one? I think one makes sense. Especially because, well, I guess your involvement is now done. I'm still on land development. Climate action is more or less done, or is it still going strong? Still going, but ending potentially this spring. Okay. And you're on I'm zero. on wayfinding well, and vision zero. Yeah, you're on two. We'll so. get to this, but, but somebody, has actually, actually, wayfinding somebody has actually built streets before. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, so somebody here has actually built streets and sidewalks before. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, because I, I, uh, I've seen some of the way these, you know, the sidewalks, that some people have, you know, redone them, and I just think it's great. And, uh, but yeah, I'd like to be yeah. on it. I was, I was going to strongly 
nominate you. But thank you. We're actually we're actually not there yet, but we're gonna keep that in mind. So okay. At least that'll be smooth sailing. So okay. Just um, if you do one, that you do one plus alternate. That yeah, it's a good us. idea. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always good to have an alternate just in case. Um, let's see. We still need to approve the rest of this thing though first. So. Um, good on existence and timeline and general deliverables and scope. I haven't heard any any arguments against those. Are we, do we need to talk any more about the proposed membership makeup? Do we want to add health department or live well or? I'd add live well, which, yeah. yeah. Or, or should we keep that an at large because there's a couple of groups that it could be? So at large when it's a, at large gets really challenging for us. Okay. When it's a, your subcommittee. Mm. So steering committee, when we have a mayor appointed steering committee to guide this work from the commission, that gets a lot easier because they have a process for mayoral appointments. There's not an, a process for at large for subcommittees mm. of your work. So I would request you not do that unless you give us sure. very clear guidance about who you would like to identify in that space. because It puts us at a place where staff are making that selection and that's not yeah. our intention. Here. So this is interesting then. So the steering committee is a subcommittee. Just like wayfinding was. Okay. But it's guided, guided by staff. Is, is yes. MPO kind of the official head if there had to be one, or is it truly like multilateral? So this is a whole separate topic, but our transportation planners are now transportation planners for the MPO and the city. Okay. There's a cost sharing agreement. So this is not an MPO project. This is a city project. Okay. Makes sense. Interesting. Okay. What about the at-large thing for the neighborhoods? Is that going to be problematic, or can we just uh, well, ask land? In that situation, we would ask land. That's, okay. why, that's why I was clear. Okay, good. Okay, that's fine. So in that case, let's choose the organizations that would represent, I guess, ability and access issues, right? So we got Independence Inc. Seems good. I think Live we should. Live well sounds like a good one. Which one? Live well. Live well. Okay. Built Environment Work Group. Yeah. Any other thoughts? I'm kind of out of ideas, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that's a good dynamic. Or senior down. center or somewhere. Senior resource center. Yeah, senior resource center. Would they have an interest in involvement? We see their involvement um, with transit frequently. Um, if that's someone you'd like us to touch base with, we can. We didn't talk to any of these parties before this meeting. Yeah. We work a lot with their staff, like Senior Resource Center has transportation mm -hmm. services, mm -hmm. and so they coordinate like paratransit services, but it's more like at a staff level than at an, like a member level. Mm -hmm. We've never engaged with them in that way to ask them to appoint someone or find someone kind of in that role. I think it would be valuable. I mean, I'm thinking about my 96-year-old grandfather who took a trip. You know, he, like, fell walking to the grocery store because of, you know, you know, raised part of a sidewalk. And I'm like, wouldn't that be a great perspective to have somebody who's older who may not have, you know, the visual ability of like our someone our age yeah. or something you know my hesitancy in ask in that is just i don't know what their structure is for how they identify yeah. people and it's like yeah. do you go to their board then or do you go to their mm -hmm. staff they just choose somebody you know what do you see where yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. like whereas independence it's an at an organization but you're going to this group they already have formed that has membership and asking them to appoint someone and i'm not familiar enough with how senior resource structure works mm -hmm. for engagement of mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. I mean, we, you can put it on the list. We can explore it. It does sound like it's a very different entity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like the people you'd be talking to would not necessarily be the ones who you need their perspective of. 
yeah. it's tricky. I mean, secondhand, but yeah. I know it's like it, I don't think AARP is like present here or active. Not that I know of. Yeah. Because I would say like AARP, I've seen Definitely. their membership structure work in different places. But if there's not, if it doesn't make sense here, it's fine. I just don't know. If there's a framework for it, and so mm -hmm. it creates this. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So there's there's another perspective beyond the limited mobility, which sort of intersects with the elderly perspective, and and that is of parents who have strollers, oh. children who can strip. Uh, trip on stuff. I didn't realize how big a deal brick sidewalks were until I had a stroller I had to push. Like, oh man, I can see why people don't like these things. <laughs> it's yeah. easy when you're an able-bodied young person, but I, I don't know if I count as young anymore. Anywho, um, I wonder if Livewell would have access to that perspective as well, being closely associated with the health department. that They do a lot of new parent stuff, and um, I wonder if... Do you think maybe the health department, too, as another entity, or no? Jessica, you've probably worked with them before. Are they organized enough to be able to submit a candidate like Livewell would be able to? I don't know how much capacity they have in this space right now, so I can't speak for them. We uh, work, we have partnerships with their staff working on safe routes to school. Um, it's one of those weird situations where it's more of a staff perspective again than a citizen perspective. So sometimes we yeah. put them in a role that's um, challenging for them because they coordinate with us as staff and then we put them in as advisors um, and they have to play kind of both and that makes it challenging. Mm. Um, Do you think it'd be worth it to expand LiveWell to two positions such that they could try to get both the perspectives that we're seeking and kind of make it clear that we want like a parent perspective and also a limited mobility perspective? I don't know. I mean, it's... It, it's one of those things where like, it'd be great if it was just like, select that person, select that person, but we, we have to hope that the organizations have that power to yeah. do that. <laughs> and I also don't know what kind of like, I mean, are we wading into legal troubles by even just specifying like, we want somebody who is a parent, you know, a young child or something. Yeah, I mean, I think the hope of getting variety in some of these diverse groups is that you are going to have diverse perspectives. And so I don't think we want to be so prescriptive, but I think we could tell them, you know, we're interested in your participation in this space. And these are the, these are the types of perspectives we will hope that you will represent. Okay, and that's best. You know, around mobility and access and for all ages and abilities. I mean, that's that's their work. That's the work they're doing in that space. And yeah. so I don't even know it's required of that, but I mean, we, they'll okay. understand what we're yeah. going to be in that space, I think. Sounds good. Okay, so at this time, we have one MMTC commissioner with one backup, which, is that going to count towards the total or not? <laughs> No, probably not, usually right. not both people attend, and if they do, only one votes. Okay. We have any things we have to vote on. Three at-large neighborhood association members to be selected within LAN. One Independence Inc. Accessibility Task Force member. Two live well people. Um, I don't even know if it necessarily has to come from the built and healthy built environment group, but just two live well representatives. <coughs> one KU, one HRC. Does that cover everybody? Are we missing anybody? I was thinking, does, I mean, when you mentioned safe routes to school, I thought, oh man, USD 497. But they don't even really get that involved with safe routes to school, and it's their schools. It's, yeah. You guys, they do all the work. So, you know, if you're already there, then that covers that perspective, I guess. <laughs> hmm. So that's one, two, three. Nine. Hey, coming in under budget. 
Maybe ask somebody else from Independence if they could send two people. I don't know. Maybe not. It's been hard for us to get. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. We, we went when we went like four or five years ago and worked with them on something. Okay. They're limited in engagement too, in terms of it. They're asking of people's personal time and it's volunteer yeah. space. So. Okay. All right. One. Yeah. I mean, you can have it. It doesn't matter either way. But I mean, you're when you go to you know you're asking something of many of these organizations, and this is. This is a big ask for somebody yeah. um, in some of these spaces in terms of time commitment in our time frame and yeah. with our stuff. And it's going to require diving into materials and attending meetings. And so, um, yeah. one is fine. I just want to make sure that there's balanced perspectives on it, too. You know, because, yeah. I know what you mean. Because if there's a majority of people who are, I mean, Jessica's already brought it up, like these are in conflict, right? So if we have too much on one side of the conflict, which is maybe pro-historic preservation versus pro-access, right. you know, yeah. those are difficult to reconcile without a lot well, of money. And the hardest value that's really probably to represent mostly is asset management, quality of life, the cost of living in our community. And, um, you know, a lot of these, when we're talking about these values, whether or not, even if you decide you can build it accessible and how you do that, um, it costs a lot. To maintain, yeah. to maintain or build or reconstruct and so um, like almost double and we'll explore all of that with these groups so like that is also a value that yeah, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Russian who could represent that an engineer an outside engineer who could represent what <laughs> asset management concern I've done asset management briefly but it's not really my thing and we have a really good team here in Lawrence who actually has a, a pretty great database and um, I guess access to and Understanding of how to use cool tools to, like, like lidar scanning and stuff. You should ask someone there. They're on the team already. We will have our internal staff team. Yeah. They will be on that. Yeah. But I'm just saying, in terms of this community perspective, it's a reality. We're going to have to present. That's not really a direct one you can pinpoint to a group necessarily. Uh, Douglas County Libertarians. Yeah. <laughs> there <you go. laughs> Sorry, I just made it political. I guess I don't even know if they are political. All right. Steering committee definitely won't exist inside of a vacuum. Yeah. Staff's actively there to help support as well as provide any guidance that's necessary. A lot of guidance from staff, which is good. So I think I'm ready for a motion. Uh, I, I move to establish a brick streets and sidewalks subcommittee to develop a city of Lawrence brick streets and sidewalks policy. As, second. as discussed here, right? As discussed yeah. here. Sorry. Okay. I second. All right. Uh, motion by Commissioner Reza, second by Commissioner Carter. All in favor say aye. Raise aye. Your hands. aye. And did you want to appoint the members? Yeah, we should do that too. Is that something that has to be a motion? Probably. Please. Um, uh, who's going to be back up? So both of you are, are coming off of committees. I don't want to fall and tell Pat to do something. And I don't know if Sean really has the bandwidth, honestly. So between you two, who likes bricks more? I, prom <laughs> I, I bet you like bricks more than I do. You're an actual architect. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. You know bricks. Yeah. <laughs> I love bricks. You love bricks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I motion that we nominate. Commissioner Edlot as our representative from MMTC and Commissioner Baltuska as our backup representative. Seconded. Okay, first by Kuzmiak, second by Reza. All in favor say aye. 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 Got the dream team going in. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Cece. Well, that's the end of our regular agenda. We're on to staff items. Any interesting news, Dave? Um, we are having a our second I think sec second public open house for Mass Street 
<laughs> on Wednesday okay. at four. We have it. Um, it's from. It's not. I didn't put it on the agenda, but it's four thirty to six thirty. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. We had a great attendance at the first meeting. So this is the second at Central Middle School. Thank you. At which one? Liberty Memorial Central Middle School. Got a lot of names. Hmm? Yeah, it's, that, that's the one. Um, that's, that's all that I have. That'll be next month's study session, right? Is it that? Yeah, I think on the calendar we penciled that in for next month. Yeah, we'll to talk study sessions next. Yeah. Okay. Anything else on staff items or any updates? No, I think we can maybe have some updates under commission items when we get through go through these committees. Yeah. We can talk about that's right. Okay. Some of this stuff. Let's do commission items in order, I guess. Climate action plan. So they're still working through um, basically another draft after all the feedback they've received. Um, and they're still thinking timeline-wise to taking it to the commission in the spring. Um, what else did I have here? So yeah, th they'll post their next draft, I think, by when they have it. I thought it was gonna be by the start of February, but I'm not sure if they posted it yet. It should be soon, the next draft. Um, and yeah, timeline's still holding, so okay. that's my update. Cool. Still chugging along. Uh, land development code up update? There is none. Um, module 2 and its attached module 1 are still up on the project website. If so, if you want to get real nerdy and go through that, there's 500 pages of fun just waiting for you. Um, I saw Hillary added some comments, so. I know some people are with me on this one. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's still happening. Haven't heard anything on up updated meetings. I think this plan is still to get a finalized one sometime this year. I don't know when, but at some point. So the next will be C module three, which is process, which would be interesting. I think that's where we may want to get more involved because we may want to be part of the process in terms of approving things that may be, I don't know, increased car dependence, like a drive-through at 19th and Mass, or, you know, the, things that involve street width or connection with shared use paths and stuff like that. So I think the framework is there, but adding the process to see how it all comes together is going to be interesting. And I think that's where we're going to want to get involved a little bit. Bicycle Wayfinding Planning Committee. I don't have an update on it. Yeah. The committee yeah. is completed with their work, and staff just received a document draft from the consultant based on all the guidance from the committee. And um, we anticipate bringing that in March. I think it's on your calendar for March. Okay. Cool. Right. Cool. Mm, yes, I think yeah. so. Vision yep. zero. I haven't heard. Also, we, uh, we just got a FHWA contract, like in the last week, signed. Yeah. Um, and that goes to commission tomorrow night for yep. awarding a contract to a consultant team, and then we will be able to begin a process. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Cool. It's happening. Okay. Next up is Lawrence Loop. I think we know. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you had any other postscript. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's up for the city commission next week. Um, 
and uh, about it. And you're free for whatever committee comes next our way. I feel like they've been coming fast and furious these days, so we'll see. I think that there's uh, the idea was posed of potentially c uh, continuing the steering committee after the fact. Um, yeah, during so the design process. So I, I think that there is a chance that that committee still exists after, but we'll see. Yeah, that's kind of what Scott was saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any other commission items? I feel like I may have asked this before, but I kind of forget what the answer was. You guys installed those temporary b bollards at 29th and Haskell Lane. Has hmm? has data been taken there yet or, or not? It does seem to slow cars significantly, but I, I'm just eyeballing it. I don't know. Yeah, we uh, got some speed data, and I thought maybe we had presented that. It's possible. To you? I, yeah, sorry. It's, not, it's very likely you've already done it. It's been a while, but I just... Yeah. When's the last time we talked about this? Some December. Yeah, Haskell Lane specifically. Is there any questions that you have on that? Or if I can find that, I could certainly resend that to you. So the last time I see it is that you were working on getting data for 29th and Haskell Lane Crossing, and that was in, no way that's right, August 2022. <laughs> There's no way that's right. I know I have a bad memory, but certainly something has happened since then. Yeah, let me uh, you can just check You can on just send that. me if you want. That's yeah. Fine. Okay. All right. <clears throat> we don't have any updates on the um, on the merger with P-TECH just yet. Aviation is not going to be merged, right? I think they decided that. Correct. It's just too weird. It is a mode, but it's not our kind of mode. It's not public around here. Yeah. I don't have any other updates on timing. Yeah. With that yet. All right. Any other commission items? I don't feel like I have anything else. Okay. Let's go on to the calendar. I think there actually is a couple things to talk about here because we had to miss January. Thanks, Snow. And there was a study session that I think was going to be pretty interesting. That was the, yeah, the on-street bicycle facility discussion. So I'd like to still have that, that one. It doesn't look like we have a study session free till May, but eh. um, perhaps that's something we can put that in. What was the reason the study session was canceled for today? Did, did we not have one? Uh, um, we were going to do the transit update with oh. Adam Weigel, okay. and he uh, could not attend. So okay. we moved that, we have moved that to April. Mm -hmm. And then as you see in March, we've got the mastery multimodal concepts, which we were gonna bring in study session first. So we do study session in March, regular agenda for that in April. Mm -hmm. And then the approving the bicycle wayfinding standards on the regular meeting for next month. Do you think it'd be possible to just have Adam give a staff staff item update? Um, unless I don't know, I'm just just throwing it out there as like a staff item instead of having it as a, as a whole study session. Because I'm assuming he'll be talking about the progress so far of the central station, the route redesign, and how that's going. Because I think it's almost done or soon to be done, and then whatever's going on for the downtown station, which is going to be a lot bigger. Is there anything else I'm missing? Not that I know of, okay. but there could be other stuff he's working on that I don't know about. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah, he's got a lot. He's he's working on a lot of stuff. So yeah, I uh, let me know what you want. I, I think study session is good for it's a good back and forth, mm -hmm. and maybe what he's got maybe planned for the year or what PTAC's working on. Yeah. Um, versus just a report. Um, it makes sense if we're going to be merged with them. It would be better to have. And discussion to kind of help onboard us almost. 
or whoever stays. I don't know how that's going to work. So, okay, I'm okay with that being a, a study session then. Everybody else good? Okay. Yep. Can we put the bike facility discussion for May, perhaps? I was thinking of having that as, as you know, trying to invite some folks who have some kind of expertise or stake in that. So I think putting it in May should give enough time to kind of plan <clears throat> for that. Because I did not plan for what was going to be on January at all. So hopefully we can do better. I can do better. So can you, um, that would be the on-street yep. bicycle facility discussion? Yeah. May? Okay. And I mean, that, that may even be in somewhat of a your turn, your turn format, just because I kind of want to hear other perspectives. That, I think a lot of what we heard has been from like Michael Allman or Chris Tilden or, you know, other groups who are like really in the bike space. So wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of hear from this. Um, anyway. All right, that's all I got for calendar stuff. And we're, oh yeah, sorry. We're, we're still holding off on the retreat till we merge, right? That, that was the plan, I think. Correct. Yeah. Just so we don't have to do the same thing twice, basically. Yeah. Okay. I do have one other thing. Now that I think about it. So we are um, getting ready to start community engagement around um, 9th Street mm -hmm. between uh, oh, Mississippi or Illinois and downtown. Um, that's getting, it's tied into the community engagement work being done with the Jihawk Watershed Project that's already started. It's happened a couple, it, that the stormwater aspect and alignment has been going on for the last uh, year or two in design efforts um, and we're going to start having some uh, community conversations about the 9th Street segment in there. Um, storm sewer is going to be going down 9th Street. We need to mill an overlay or redo portions of the street so we're going to have um, some community engagement surrounding potential design options for that. For the stormwater part or just for, for the, the street the street itself? Even. Yep, the streetscape. It's kind of like similar to like what we're doing on Mass Street. I was wondering, yeah. Okay. Same type of... That's exciting. Um, so that will be... A, did we, we have a date. I don't know if we've got a date on that. Not yet. Not yet. Sounds we're like close to having a date. Late, later February. Yeah. Later okay. February is what we were shooting for. So... <clears throat> Um, that hasn't that's not on the list at all either so I just wanted to mention that and I'll put that on the <clears throat> future um, topic list at the bottom of the calendar because ultimately um, through that process we would like to have a recommendation and that would come to this board before it goes to the City Commission okay was that on the CIP and I just forgot about it <coughs> The stormwater project is, yeah, the stormwater project is, um, but I know we've had, in, you know, interests in the past about, like, that segment through their uh, bicycle facility, yeah. uh, improving the bicycle facility um, through there. And um, so, yeah, this, it's an opportunity where we could, um, we're, we're doing the stormwater project and we can see if there's other things we can do to tie into that project to improve the street. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Anybody else got items? If not, we can adjourn by a simple thumbs up, I guess. I motion to adjourn. Second. I approve that motion. <laughs> Thank you all for your time. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
Really green here. <laughs> <laughs>